Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Wonder Soul. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. I can go anywhere. Friends to know and ways to grow. A reading rainbow. So, let's get started. Brandon Sanderson, The Way of Kings. Do you know anything about Brandon Sanderson, Kyle? Have you um have you read any of this man's work before? So, I'm aware of multiple works he's done, but this is actually the first time I've, I've actually read one of his books. Dude. So, like I know before he really dove into this series. He not only was uh responsible for finishing the wheel of time series but he also did his mistborn series which i believe there's six of those books so like he he's already pretty experienced in writing before he actually uh published this book but apparently from what i gathered uh doing some research Mm -hmm. uh, apparently he first started writing the sermon archive back when he was like still in school so like he's he's had it on the back burner for for years and years. Really, like yeah, it wasn't uh, something that I came across. Uh, was like the nineties. Like he was starting to write these. So what, he must have been in school in the nineties. He's not. He's not like an yeah, old like, old fella. He's not like a no. an R R Martin. He, he, you know, he's not. He's not up there. But like apparently he was a. Uh, just writing whenever he could, doing uh, like late night work shifts and that kind of stuff. So. Mm. There you go. That's <laughs> achieve your dreams, everybody. I know, dude. You know, I love I love those kind of stories, man. Uh, I, I remember uh, getting into Harry Potter, obviously, and then one of the things that you hear about when it comes to uh, J.K. when she was writing those was that she was writing it on napkins at a coffee shop. Like she was broke, hella broke, mm-hmm. and just I, I I love that level of passion, like. You're willing to work with, I mean, really work with what you got. Yo, I got to write this down. I ain't got no paper. <laughs> I ain't got this. I, so let me grab this when napkin. When inspiration comes to your head, just, just, just got to get it down. Got to get, get it, it out there. Dude, just by any means. I think there's like few people out there. And um, to see that, that, that something that we're talking about right now in 2020, that's got, I think, three books out now, four uh, the fourth one's coming uh, out this year. Yep, yeah, there's three of them out now, and then book four is supposed to be out by the end of the year. And this is supposed to be, from what I read, a ten book series. Did you also hear about that? Yes. the Dude. The ultimate end goal is that it's going to be a massive ten book fantasy epic. That's intense, bro. Uh, that that's ambitious, but so far, from what I've read, it seems like he he's already off to a very solid start. Man, I mean. With and and let's let's get into some like facts about this book that you know uh, are pretty common, but I think that are just useful in this kind of conversation. So this book's pretty pretty thick. All right, guys, 
This book's got a hundred. Oh, dang, that would have been nice, right? A hundred pages. Uh, <laughs> one thousand and seven pages. Uh, the publication date was August twenty ten. Uh, and there's a couple, like uh, Kyle was mentioning, there's some sequels out there. Words of Radiance, Edge Dances. Oh, you got the hardcover? Look, look how big that book is. Yo, you got the hardcover? <laughs> I got the, I, I got the I mass got paper the... book. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at this man. Look at him cheaping out. Look. I got that with the book. No, I, I went and got the version that could be used as a weapon. Oh, okay. wow. See, I got this in case like it gets really cold. I'm in the woods. I got to rip off a page and... Start a fire. <laughs> hey, yeah. when you're stranded on an island, you, you got you got a wipe. You got a wipe. Yeah, you got wipe. That's all you got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna use Brandon <laughs> Sanderson's. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, that's cool, dude. I I definitely feel like I want to get the hardcovers now, but I think it's one of those things where you, at least for me, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. I've heard a lot of good things about it, so let me just get the the cheapest version I can get. And then we'll go from there. We'll go from there. Yo, uh, we're going to be bringing up the chat throughout this episode, guys. So if you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you so much. Uh, Just a reminder, uh, we are doing these episodes live on twitch.tv slash Wondersoul, W-N-D-R-S-O-U-L. And this is one of the first, if not the first, Wondersoul Book Club episode. And uh, let's go ahead and just, uh, before we get too carried away, I'm here with Lou and Kyle. If you've been listening to Wonder Soul, you've been watching Wonder Soul for a little bit. We were almost at our two-year anniversary, actually. And uh, out of those two years, Loon Kyle has been a part of, I want to say, five-plus episodes or some kind of collabs. So uh, we actually did one last week <laughs> for the the DC uh, Extended Universe. Wow, it feels like I was just here last <laughs> week or something. <laughs> yes. Yes, but dude, it's always a good time, man. And uh, uh, Loon Kyle, could you go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself to anybody? So in case this is somebody's first episode and they haven't heard you on the on the podcast before and they want to go and check you out, uh, could you just tell them what you're about real quick, my dude? I absolutely can do that. So hi, I'm Kyle. I am a YouTube content creator. I do a lot of uh, Pokemon-based content over there. Uh, occasionally, I do a little bit of variety game, but for the most part, like Pokemon's my bread and butter. I like doing a lot of challenge runs a lot of like competitive battle videos that kind of stuff uh, and i'm also one of the co-hosts on the shanlin on batman podcast so if you are a fan of dc comics and dc films i i'm also over there talking about stuff like every other week or so and uh and as far as today goes i'm also a well-versed fantasy reader i i do a lot of late night security work which means i have plenty of time to read books so <laughs> <laughs> that, that is why i am able to get through a behemoth of a book like this and like you said eight days bro it was it was not two weeks it was less than two weeks so. it took me eight weeks it took me over a month Nah, that's you know <laughs> i admire that man and i appreciate you for uh you know taking the time to uh well you were you were you were talking about when i brought this up that you were I, I it was, was on your list playing on yeah i was already planning on read it eventually because like i said i i love fantasy it's one of my favorite fans uh like favorite Genres. genres to read yeah. in yeah so and doing some research about you know just like if you go to google and be like a uh, fantasy series that you should read you know if you do something like that stormlight archive which is what this franchise is is always in like the top three of every single list i have ever seen so i was like oh i guess i gotta put that on my list to read eventually so <laughs> uh, uh, so i'm, I'm glad we had this opportunity to uh get on the extra reading it because you were just out of the blue one day like 
I kind of want to read this book. Does anybody else want to read it? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm right here. That's right, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, because, you know, honestly, like you had said, I had similar experiences. I started looking into uh, what what are some really good fantasy novels that aren't, you know, your your popular typical ones like Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, a lot of people throw in stuff like uh, The Wheel of Time, Chronicles of Narnia, Harry Potter. You know, it depends on what kind of fantasy you're looking for, right? Because that can get broken into different genres. Um and you have like the tour stuff, you know, like the, the tour fantasy, but you also have like, you know, uh, uh, young adult fiction type stuff out there too that is kind of popular amongst, uh, you know, different people of all ages. And, um, right. so like, you it, know, like it's not just sword and sorcerer fantasy, like there's there's whole sorts of subgenres of it now. Mm -hmm. You got your very traditional Lord of the Rings kind of stuff, uh, but then like you got this, this newer stuff, the like this uh, book, which. For me, it was actually a very refreshing book to read because even though it is fantasy, it's not your J.R.R. Tolkien D and D kind of fantasy. There's there's actually a lot about it that's pretty unique and stood out to me as just like, oh well, I've never actually thought about this. This, this actually feels like it's not just medieval Europe, but with other <laughs> things going on. <laughs> it actually feels like it could almost take place on an entirely different planet. Yeah. Uh, we, we could get into that more, but like it, it's actually a very refreshing book. I dude, and you know, um, you would be able to back this up more than I could. Now, I'm familiar with Tolkien's work, you know, uh, George R. R. Martin's, you know, the Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Now, have I sat down and read every book or page? I haven't, and, I, and I'm, uh, you know. I'll unfortunately admit that, but I do have those on my list, and that's why the idea of doing a book club or doing something where you know reading was at the focal point, and where you know maybe we could sit back and get into a story and then talk about it and geek out about it, kind of like to capture that feeling that you get when you get out of a really good movie with your friends, and you're like, oh man, uh -huh. this, you know. Um, so I, I've been in and out of reading. I think we do a lot more reading than we even give ourselves credit for. If you play a lot of different games that have a lot of dialogue, uh, for example, Pokemon, you know, playing those early Pokemon games, there's all, it's all text, you know, and even right. till today, you know, it's mostly text. There's not a lot of voice acting. So you're doing a lot of reading. You're doing a lot of reading when you're on social media, when you're on the computer, when you're on. So basically, as much as we're getting a lot of amazing stories right now through uh, you know all these streaming services, video games, and and so many other mediums, uh, reading uh, a good book, and 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 what whether that's an ebook, an audio book, or or actually getting the hard book or the paperback, you know, um, or the hardcover. I don't. Did I say hard book? The hard book is hard. Um, the hardest. Of books. <laughs> the hardest book, not this soft, weak, flimsy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, there's something about it, man. I remember talking to people in the chat one time in a stream about, um, uh, the, uh, gosh, what the book fairs that would come to your school, you know, mm -hmm. do you guys remember those? Like, and just how exciting books were, I don't know. Like, uh, I think we're both nineties kids. So you had a lot of great, uh, franchises, I guess, and series that started like back then when we were growing up, like goosebumps, different stuff like that. The magic tree house, like a lot of, a lot of encouraging, um, campaigns were going on when we were growing up to get you to read. And I feel like it's on you as an adult to like, Hey, well, it's up to you what you want to do. 
And I think it's really easy to just kind of kick back and watch a, you know, a binge a whole series on um, Netflix or Hulu and get a really good story filled with really good characters. But man, th there's something about the the art of storytelling that I feel like you can't get it anywhere else but a you know within the pages of a book of a well written book. And uh, I think Brandon Sanderson, dude, has done a fantastic job. And to go back to my original point about something you could back up, I heard that his his writing style is kind of like a good fusion of Martin's and Tolkien's. Did you feel that as you read this book? Uh, I don't know if I'd say it's like a combination of those two, but like, the biggest thing that stood out to me about his writing is, and this is not a negative, this is actually right. a positive, but like it's a simple writing style. Ah. Like he doesn't get very flowery with his descriptions. Like that's, that's actually one of the biggest gripes I have when I'm reading like a Game of Thrones or something. Mm -hmm. George R. R. Martin will be like, okay, I'm going to describe a scene at a dinner table and he will literally spend an entire page with like each paragraph describing an entirely different dish. Oh, it's wow. like there was this and then there was this and there was this and there was this and there was this i'm like it's cool information i'm glad that you know you're you're kind of building up the world and like making the food seem kind of unique right but sometimes i just don't care <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes i'm sitting there and i'm like i just want to hear what the characters have to say and then move on to the next scene <laughs> exactly like there, sometimes it can be a little too much uh, and I'm not saying Brandon doesn't include details that help like make his world feel living because he absolutely does, but he de he definitely trims a lot of the fat off. Okay, okay. Because you know when it when I heard that being said, it kind of the way I interpreted it is that Tolkien had this like world building history type vibe where sometimes it felt like you're you're literally reading a history book in school where he would describe the events as like they were real things that had actually happened in, in the way he presents them uh, in the, the level of detail. Uh, now you're talking about Martin with his level of detail. I, I, I looked at when someone said uh, the fusion between Martin and Tolkien for Brandon Sanderson's, I felt like Martin was kind of like a realistic writer where it's not always going to be the hero swoops in and saves the day. You know, bad right. things happen to good people. Now, does that happen in Tolkien's works? Of course. I mean, we do see that. But I think there's something like through some of the characters that we'll talk about uh, in this episode, like Kaladin. Just, dude, wow. What an underdog story. Like, this dude goes through a level. Right. Of, he, he's uh, a very easy character that's just a root for exactly. time after time again. And he can't catch a win for the, to save his life. Like, <laughs> literally, he cannot. Like, it, it, it's just like that's the kind of stuff that I felt like, it, you know, even if you're familiar with uh, Game of Thrones, it's just a show. No character feels like they're safe. Like, they are perfect in any way. Like, they have their flaws and um, they, they get exploited in a lot of ways through the world and just how just how the world is. Like, in, in, the, in this world that Brandon Sanderson's created uh, – you know, there's still that level of greed. You have like a hierarchy of a class system. You know, you have like uh, a lot of different things that you could translate into a modern setting that we deal with today. But you also find through like a lot of fantasy, but especially with Martin, 
because I don't know, Tolkien had this thing where, you know, you had the elves, you had the dwarves, you had man and human, well, not human, but you know, like they, those yeah. were kind of like, they all had their own different things. But when you would read or watch something like Game of Thrones, it was just like the, the families, like the different kind of like, you know, houses and stuff like that like those traditions and right like instead of instead of it being races against each other it was yeah just like different families against each other exactly like, I it, for sure for sure but um yeah so like it's 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 interesting to kind of see how to me uh through reading it i felt like there was a really nice balance of those things like it, it, at least that it felt like uh sanderson drew inspiration from these writers and in his in his own way put something out there that you know because i think you're right maybe that was why this thousand page book was easier for me as someone who's getting back into reading because it was detailed and it had world building but it wasn't to a point where you're like all right bro right let's go it, let's get it, to it it's definitely one of the shortcomings of the fantasy genre is where the writers are like okay this is not set in our world so i can't just say you know this thing because people don't have a reference for what this thing is right so people gotta be so i gotta like actually describe stuff you know i gotta actually go in detail and sometimes they get a little excessive with that like if yeah. they're describing uh like a fantastical creature you know sometimes instead of just being like you know it, oh it's 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 like half half hippo half half lion or whatever yeah they got just you know really go into detail about the the gory teeth, the uh, the scaly, the scaly skin. You know, they, like they get to start going ham on it. It's like, all right, pump the brakes. You're not yeah, gonna, you're, you're just you want you really want to build this image in our mind. Yeah, like what is <laughs> this? Sometimes, sometimes letting the reader the reader's imagination fill in the, the blanks goes a long way. Dude, I absolutely agree, and I think that's one of the beauties about just getting lost in these kind of stories and reading is that. You know, it, there's details there, there's descriptions there, but it's all really for the reader to interpret. And so, like, we read the same book, you and I, and yet maybe while we were reading it, we had different visions for how these characters looked. Even though we had descriptions, you still kind of make it up in your head, you know, like, uh -huh. um, oh, gosh, I'm going to have my notes so I don't mess up anybody's names. And anything else like Dalinar Dalinar to me had this um, like if you've ever looked up any of the way of Kings fan art or just like any kind of depictions of what these characters look like based off of like the book descriptions and stuff um, they're they're fantasy but they're not they're kind of like really formal you know um, and you hear about that a lot in in certain parts of the book especially with the the stories with Dalinar and that whole camp where they're kind of like we're you know, we are, we're the high class. Like we are, you know, we have to present ourselves in a very fancy and proper way. But I never really saw that when I heard his voice, like especially in the audio book, which guys, I'm telling you, I can't give enough praise for that audio book on Audible. If it's you, a great audio book. It's so good. And I think the, the, uh, the, the people that read that did such a fantastic job of giving each individual character their own uh tone and uh, personality and dude it was great but like Dalinar to me just he he, he had like kind of like an older you know I, I've been through a lot of stuff like I've been through a lot of war and I'm kind of getting older now but when you see pictures of him he doesn't really re he, to me 
So like basically what I'm saying is right. Like, it's like it's like he he definitely comes off as being very wise and experienced. Yeah. But his age doesn't necessarily dictate that. But he, he's you know he's battle hardened. He's been this this like warrior prince for for years and years. Yes. And and so, so it, it really fits his character the way like he is not only he's a scribe but the way the way he come kind of reads throughout the pages. Right. Right. Exactly, dude. And. I think that's just what I thought was going to be fun about doing a discussion about these books or just a, a book in general is that, yeah, we can watch a, a show or play a game and what you see is what you get. But with this, there's kind of a little bit of wiggle room for the reader's imagination. So um, so let's get into some like actual details about the book. Um, before we do that real quick, though, do you want to give uh, any listeners, anybody watching, like any background on your your reading, ex- not reading experience, but some of the books that you've enjoyed before, The Way of Kings, um, or anything that stands out for you that is even in the fantasy genre that you would like to suggest or recommend before we get into this book particular or anything like that? Um, I don't know if I have – that much experience. I, I've read a lot of the staples, and I've read the Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones. It's only like now where I'm like starting to branch off more into the not super mainstream stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think at some point I'd be able to, you know, like really dive in, give some people some underrated uh, recommendations that they maybe had actually haven't heard of. Yeah. Because at this point, no, it's like what I. <laughs> Sure, I can. I can. I can recommend people read Game of Thrones if you haven't already read Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's a much more satisfying experience than uh, the TV show, even though the books still haven't finished. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I see. And and I'm kind of in that weird boat of like, it's really hard for me if I've seen it to go back and read it. Uh, that, I don't... that is true. I don't like. Don't get me wrong. If I actually like, just like objectively looked at the Game of Thrones books, they're great books. But it's actually kind of hard to go back and read those books as I'm like. Oh, this is the this is gonna be a chapter where that thing happens. That mystery. And then I'm sitting there, and then I'm sitting there for like the next twenty minutes, being like, "Okay, when's the thing gonna happen?" Yeah, exactly. Like, and so it, it puts me in this like really kind of weird space where it's like, I'm I'm like just constantly on the edge, waiting for a thing that I already know it's gonna happen to happen. Yeah. And it might happen in a slightly different way. Yeah. Which is nice, but like it doesn't it didn't quite give me the same satisfaction when I first watched the show. So like. That, that's definitely something to consider. There's but, uh, there's nothing like going through a story blind, man. Like there's nothing like reading and hanging on every word, every sentence, getting to those cliffhanger ends of chapters, and just going, "Well, I'm gonna get. We got to keep going. I I need to know what's about to happen." And that and that's uh, the way Kane's in a nutshell, right there, <laughs> dude. And, and and so that's I. Basically, my reading experience is, you know, I haven't really read a lot throughout the years as I've gotten older, but, you know, Harry Potter is definitely that that staple for me, only because I've never been so excited to read a book. Uh, Midnight releases at Books A Million, you know, the movies were just hyped. That was a really large part of my childhood and in, in keeping me into reading because we had AR in school. Um, and you know, that was like a program, uh, that I, I think a lot of people are familiar with, but it was just accelerated reader and you took the test on the books and it was fun. It encouraged you to read. You got, you got enough AR points. You could go to a pizza party and stuff like that. But, uh, there were certain books that made me, uh, go out and read on my own. I definitely got into comic books, you know, manga, stuff like that, that, uh, you know, technically is not a book. There's pictures, uh, you know, but still still good story and storytelling 
and great uh, characters. I've read some of the extended universe, like Star Wars novels, and and um, but more recently, I was reading books that had like they weren't uh, they were more like grounded in real life. I I guess like self help type stuff, things that had information right. into it more than it was like a story or anything. But it, it recently, I've been trying to get into uh, more more of the story focused books and um yeah the way of the kings man or way of kings where, where do we even do do we begin with the characters uh should we begin with mm -hmm. that like because there's I, I feel like uh the... i i think i think we should start with the world okay yo like that's, that's like good. uh so the this the way of kings is book one of the stormlight archives and so far, I don't know if this is going to change in the future, but so far, the entire story takes place on the continent of Roshar, I think it's yeah. what it's called. And the interesting about, thing about Roshar is that it's it's plagued by these ginormous uh, storms, the, these giant, like, thunderstorms. And in this world, the, the people have actually, like, utilized a way to harness... The, this like uh, lightning, this stormlight energy, and they use it in all manner of things, from like the currency to like like powering up their weapons, essentially, and, and that kind of stuff. And so, from there, like the technology is kind of advanced in a kind of weird, unique way. Uh, but even like while all this is going on, there's also uh, these like ancient weapons, these. these shard blades and shard plates that people have harnessed then like i said the energy it's like powered by stormlight energy but like it's a technology that's like the creation of these weapons and armor are have been lost to time so now there's just like these set pieces of armor that everybody fights over and like people are actually like waging wars and and like and the entire politics are kind of like based around who owns the these great weapons the, these super powerful pieces of armor and you know, like what kind of political power you get from having access to these. Mm. So like that—that's kind of been like a big dynamic of this book so far. Um, and as as we kind of go into each character scenario, it kind of kind of definitely uh, determines the direction that's going. Especially for like Kaladin, especially Ooh. over in the uh, the Shattered Plains. Like that's a that's a big part of his story. Yeah, the Kaladin's, bro, but. We'll get into him in a minute. Yeah, I think that was dude. That was perfect, man. Yeah, we have these high storms and uh, the the weapons and, and and the thing about the way of kings is that throughout reading it, I didn't really know what the end game was. Like, what is the overarching thing that we're going to eventually even work towards or stuff? We've we've have different things now. This is going to be spoiler free as much as possible here in the beginning. We'll let you guys know uh, when we get into spoilers. But there are just moments where you're kind of getting ideas or hints of like, okay, you're seeing what's up ahead by looking back. There's these visions. There's these different, uh, you know, examples of what happened that brought this world to where it's at today, and how that could eventually lead to a lot of big problems. Uh, so, in, in the prologue or the very beginning of this book, you know, I, I would. <laughs> I would yeah. like I would like to go back and read it. I've heard that it makes more sense after you get through this book because you're like, oh, oh, okay. At first you're just like, huh, you know, what's really going on here? And then they jump, and then there's another event that takes place at the beginning uh, that really you don't think about it, but 
it set the tone for everything that we end it, up. It really does. And that, I thought that was really nice. At first, you're kind of like, I don't know, this is all brand new. But as you get through the story and some of the characters, how it all affects them, that was that was pretty genius. I thought, like, to start it off like that. <laughs> so yeah. So like, if, if people are like wondering how long this book is, it has a prelude. Then a prologue. Oh my! God. And then you get in the chapter one. Yeah. <laughs> so like you've already you've already read dozens of pages before you like even get into the story, but it's definitely worth it because like you said, it, this this story just gets off running. Not only is that prelude, it, it, the prelude's confusing, like you said, but like you said, uh, once you get to the end, you're like, oh, oh, okay, now I now I kind of get what was going on in that scene. It definitely makes a lot more sense at the end. But then uh, there's the pr- the prologue. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler because it's, it's it's literally said on the back cover of the book, but like the whole thing kicks off. The the series of events gets kicked off by the assassination of a high, highly public, like a very important uh, political figure. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just causes everything to go into chaos and like war start to break up because of that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so throughout the book, there, there's all these flashbacks to like, well, what, who exactly issued the assassination and like, why, what was the motivation? And, and it kind of just all goes from there. Yeah. And I remember I, I read that part and I, I think I hit you up on Twitter. I was like, dude, this whole reminds <laughs> it, me it, of it's a badass scene. Too. It, and it kind of gives you a, I think that gives you a small taste of what is possible in this world as far as action wise and the power sets that we might uh, see later. Uh, Cause I know you, you hinted on to like sharp blades and stuff like that, but there's a lot of other stuff at play and the the what this assassin can do i was like dude this reminds me of x2 nightcrawler in the white house jumping around taking out all these guards and just it was it was crazy but then when the event happens and then you start to meet these new characters and you go oh shit this is how they're connected because of this event, oh, this, they're related to so and so, who's also related to the killer so and so. Yeah, you're. So you're I know all the things together. <laughs> yes, dude, you got the you got the board up, and you're putting the yarn, and you're like, oh my god, it's all connected. <laughs> I see now, and um, yeah, the world building is just, I think, pretty fantastic, man. At first, like any new story, new world, new anything, it can be a little uh, like, huh? But once you get through those beginning parts the 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 prologue the prelude and and get into the first couple chapters get introduced to your main cast which i think the first part doesn't focus on dalinar i think we don't even meet him until part two yeah dalinar doesn't come in until like chapter like he's 15 or something like that yeah like Like, he's later the the beginning is very much focused on kaladin and shallan which i especially kaladin i think him being like the very first character we're really introduced to was the, the best move possible. Yes. Because like like I said earlier, he is such a very easy character to kind of just latch onto and relate to. He you know he's had, he's been down on his luck for a long time. He's not in the best of spots in his life at the moment. Mm-hmm. And all he really wants to do is just like fight to improve the state he is in and to make sure that it, you know his friends and family around him are in the best position possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kaladin. He's definitely that underdog type character that you can. 110% get behind and seeing what he goes through. Um, when we are introduced to Kaladin, he's, he's the shit he's, he's on his, you know, he's in almost in his prime, I would say. And that was a really interesting approach too, because we don't see him at the bottom. 
you know, he he's leading soldiers. He's he's that guy. There's a guy that's like, because the first time we get introduced to him, it's not even through his own perspective. It's this other character, um, uh-huh. and and like they're in uh, you know battle. This is all in the first chapter, so. Uh, one of the characters is like, "Hey, man, don't worry. You're you're in Kaladin's like group. Like you you're good, man. This guy, yeah. he got you. And so he, he's gonna protect you. <laughs> he's gonna protect you. And 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 so you're like, oh shit. But then after that, man, it all you know without going into detail at the moment. Yeah, you just you, you start so to feel like, for him. These these people on the outside are like idolizing Kaladin." Yeah. But then once you actually jump into Kaladin's point of view, you're like, oh shoot, yeah. He he, he goes through some, he goes through some rough stuff. Rough, sure. rough, and it, it's that inner dialogue and everything that he goes through is is definitely something we're going to get into. Um, but the, yeah, the world is interesting, man, and I do like what they've done with uh, the the shard blades and the and the shard plates. I thought those were interesting. I thought that those had a really cool, like the shard blades are kind of like lightsabers in their own way. It's like having that weapon. And within your universe, it's just like, dude, I would love to have a shard blade, bro. That would be that would be so sick. And the right, shard... like they could have easily just made shard blades as like, oh, it's a really powerful sword, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's way more interesting than that. Yeah, because like, uh, it doesn't cut. Only is like, it's the way you, you don't just like have a sword. It's not like a physical object, but you have to like summon it yes. through counting your heartbeats or something like that. Uh. Yeah, like 10, like 10 a, heartbeats or something like, yeah. Right, so it's, it's kind of like having a lightsaber, but instead of just clicking a button to turn it on, you have to, like, you have to summon focus it. on it and, like, like kind of, like, use your willpower and count your heartbeats to summon it. But, um, like, there, there's there's really cool scenarios throughout the story where, like, maybe you have two uh, shard blade people going at each other and just, like, the thought process that they have. And uh, the thing about shard sharp blades they, they they don't what is it they don't cut flesh but they they can like rip the soul out of people if they slice people that, i think the, that's how it went it was something weird like they'll cut through like, pretty it, much it, everything it'll, but it'll cut it'll cut matter but it won't cut like flesh so yeah. you know if you need to cut a rock or you know cut anything a shard blade will do that but if you're actually mm-hmm. trying to cut down that person it actually won't cut the flesh it'll just like slice through their soul and like kill them but it doesn't actually do any physical damage yeah, and, and isn't it where their eyes go black with the black smoke and shit? Like stuff like that would happen. Or I think so. Like it's it's been a while since I read like the earlier parts where I was kind of mm. describing all that stuff. But needless to say, you don't want to get hit by those, unless maybe you have some shard plate on, which is like it's one of the things. Where it's like, oh yeah, obviously shard plate can block shard blades, you know. <laughs> but even then, but, uh, dude, even then, shard even then plates. It comes at a, yeah, it comes at a cost. It costs uh, like energy. Uh, I believe shard plates are like powered by the stormlight infused gems so if you're sitting there sustaining damage eventually the like the gems are gonna take too much damage and they're gonna break but yes that it's it's kind of a neat because it's like it's not just armor it's it's not just a sword like they actually go into a bit more detail they had a lot of character to these very powerful weapons and they do a really good job of actually emphasizing you know why would these actually be a big deal and like right couldn't you, couldn't you couldn't you just like shoot on with a bunch of bows and arrows? You know, like wouldn't that not be a problem? But no, like <laughs> throughout the story, we see time and time again that not only are highly trained uh, wielders of shard blades and shard plates, is they're they're almost godlike. Like <laughs> uh, imagine a Jedi in his prime. That, that's basically what like, a shard wielder is like. Exactly. 
and, and the, the the imagine a Jedi with like Iron Man armor and stuff. It just <laughs> you know, because like even when they get damaged, they have this um, this description of like almost like it explodes. Like when it breaks, it doesn't just kind of go oh it's dented or something. There's like this like you said, it's powered through energy, and plus it gives mm. the the bearer uh, increased strength and increase like everything because without it they wouldn't be able to like even move it's like it's like you said i think that's a very good point to when when bringing up those things is that they're not your normal sword and armor it's they're just they're they have these nice touches that that really make them stand out and make them something a lot different from what we are used to like you know link's got the master sword but wouldn't it be cool if he could just kind of do this and then all of a sudden a sword like, you know, would appear or something like that. There's kind of like this like energy connection that I really did. I I think a lot of us have had like the fantasy of like sticking our arm out and then all of a sudden like a sword materializes out of our hands. That's a shard blade. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what that is. Oh, it's so cool, man. It's, it, it is really cool. And then when you, and like you said, dude, it's the whole political thing. It's like, you know, they, they wheel and deal those things. It's like, well, if if we defeat a, you know, sharp blade or someone who carries this stuff, who's going to get it? You know, like because once you own something like that, you instantly get respect and power. Like it's like a whole different type of. Right. Um, so know. this kind of reminded me of another aspect. Like Go one important thing about this story is that there, there's the different class system. Mm. So you have the nobility, but the way it's determined, and this is, I guess you can kind of look at this as like an allegory for like racism maybe, but it's like, I think so, you have, yeah. you have the light eyes. People with light colored eyes are high-born nobility. But then anybody that's born with a darker eye color is immediately a lower class citizen or even a slave in some cases. Yeah, you, you, You're just born on the short end of the totem, right? But there is a thing in the in the universe where uh, I don't know if they haven't they haven't explained it yet. I think this might be something that comes up in a later book. But mm-hmm. uh, any any dark eyes that is able to defeat and wield or claim ownership over a shard laden plate becomes a light eyes. And I don't know why that happens. Like I said, I think it gets explained later. But essentially, yeah, it's like if you are able to claim ownership of a shard bladen plate, you become a, a high born nobility essentially i wonder is it a connection to the stormlight like uh, do they view that, people that'd, that'd with... probably be that'd probably be my guess is that the the stormlight energy probably affects their eyes somehow yeah and and so if you have darker eyes it's like a absence of stormlight or connection to the stormlight or at least in their color i don't know like i but it's, i know what Maybe. you mean yeah it's it's and that's the thing about this story man there's a lot of themes and things that um even just through specific character arcs are like, wow, man, like I know this is taking place in this like fantasy world, but this feels relatable in a sense, you know, you, especially with someone like Kaladin, uh, even Dalinar, who's this basically in a lot of ways you could look at as an older, uh, you know, man who's, you know, been, you know, looked up to for a lot of his life and has been, pretty powerful in his own means but now maybe age is getting to him you know maybe people are starting to go okay he's losing his touch he's going a little crazy he's kind of lost it primal man yeah yeah and and (laughs) and that's relatable in no matter what setting you know what i'm saying so 
Um, so there's different stories and, and, and themes that I feel like are, are really interesting how they were presented in this fantasy environment. Um, but yeah, so in, in another thing about this world is that, you know, men are pretty much just taught to fight for the most part, like, because can't men aren't really supposed to write or read, right? Isn't that like a weird yeah, thing? So, like they, they divide various skills into like gender skills for men and skills yeah. for women. You know, it's the man's job to be the warrior. He does the physical work. He does a lot of that kind of labor. Mm-hmm. And the women, the women are the ones that learn to cook and clean and study how to read and do the maps and science and stuff like they're the, the educator, the educators. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So it very much falls into those stereotypes of, Oh yeah, the women are the ones that read and get educated. And the men are the ones that just do a lot of the physical work and fight all the time. And, you know, and, and we do see a lot of examples of all, both of these being presented, uh, through, um, Dalinar and his experience in, in that that army, you know, military type vibe and camp Kaladin and what he his background and his connection with someone like his father, who was a surgeon, you know, and, and how so how that works in that dynamic. And then what's her what's her name again? Shalon? Uh, Shalon? Uh, Shalon. 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 And her mm-hmm. dude, she is one clever, smart, wordy and so many so many other like dude she like reading those parts of the story were so interesting but i was like wow this girl's too smart for her own good man there's like so many her wordplay and how she would interpret things and just it was always like this this brain chess match with everyone around her you know right yeah <laughs> so it was and so whenever i was, so was cool. reading through a launch chapter i was like oh <laughs> let me go back and read. Let me go back and reread this part because I'm like, oh, okay, that's I, I might a very interesting interpretation of what she, uh, what was just going on. Yeah, she's always like uh, analyzing the things around her because you know, as you start to learn about her and her intentions, you're like, oh, okay, okay. And she's going to be a character that uh, when we get into more detail about the character's arcs and stuff, where I'm going to be interested to see where you feel about her near the end. Uh, granted what we what we're introduced to her and through and pretty much throughout this story in this first book her arc and what her you know her journey is up to you know the end of book one right like uh, like no spoilers now but i almost feel like her arc throughout this book kind of takes like the widest like change of direction like where she was at the very beginning is very is very different than where she ends up at the end and i'm actually very happy that was the case yeah uh because it just made reading her chapters all that more interesting to see the development going on and like being right there. Because like at no point was I ever like, oh, this. So this is where her story's going. <laughs> no, by the end, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, I'm I'm down for this. Well, you know, th- before we continue, I'm gonna read the back of the book real quick and just and yeah. this kind of presents a, a couple things about the characters that we're gonna be discussing more. And I think you know, there's gonna be things about the world that we will continue to touch on. But I think you did a fantastic job of laying the groundwork for that so and if anybody has any questions about the world or any of these characters throughout this you know episode let us know and if you're listening to this later hit us up on twitter instagram whenever wherever and uh we would love to talk about it more we're we're obviously not 
experts. Uh, the, we are just uh, excited uh, to talk about it. We're fans of this book and hopefully this series as we continue to get into it. But the back of uh, uh, The Way of Kings reads as, I long for the days before the last desolation, which is something we could talk about here in a moment. Yeah. Uh, before the heralds abandoned us and the knights of radiant, the knights radiant turned against us. When there was still magic and roshar and honor in the hearts of men, why is it? Hold up, why is it in every fantasy thing? <laughs> men are just like the the they're the reason why everything goes to shit. Like think about Mordor and and Lord of the Rings, and it's like and then there was rings that were given to men, and then well, you guys know how men are. They're greedy as hell <laughs> and everything else. They did an oopsie. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. <laughs> hey, got the guy a little too greedy. <laughs> toss the ring into the fires of mortar. No, I'm going to take this one. No, no, Lord of the rings. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the end, not war, but victory proved the greater test. Did our fo- foes see the harder, uh, see that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance Fire and hammer forges sword, time and neglect rusted away. So we won the world, yet lost it. Mm. Now there are four whom we watch, and these are the main characters, at least thus far. The surgeon, forced to forsake healing and fight in the most brutal war of, of our time, which is Kaladin. The assassin, who weeps as he kills, which is what, Seth? 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 It, or some... I, I pronounce it Seth, but it's spelled S B E T H. Yes. And so yeah. it's like Zvev, <laughs> Seth. It, I, the audiobook I listened to just called him Seth. So just, yeah, we'll just call him Seth. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, who weeps as he kills. The liar who wears her scholar's mantle over a thief's heart, which is Shalon. And the prince whose eyes open to the ancient past. As his thirst for battle wanes, one of them may redeem us. One of them will destroy us. And then speak again the hollowed oaths. Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. The night's radiant must stand again. And and so when I read the back of this book before even reading this and now reading it at the end after reading the book, man, this whole the one of them may redeem us. And one of them will destroy us. I think mm. that's like, wow, okay. We we might get into it's, some It's stuff. definitely very intriguing stuff. You're like, oh, God, which one of those is going to be the one that destroys people? Yeah, <laughs> because we're technically not shown any of them as being like a, an antagonist. Like, obviously, Shalon, she's, you know, she has different intentions. But we are presented to her through the you know through brandon sanderson writing her as like a main character and you know she's pretty fun and relatable in a lot of ways and she doesn't really have like ill intentions that come from a place where it's like oh she i don't know so it's it depends on how you look at it is she doing what she wants to do for yeah. selfish reasons yes but i don't know is like, she... every character is written in a way where they're not just they're not just bad for the sake of being bad they're not good for the sake of being good yeah. Brandon Sanderson did a really good job of making sure they all had their motivations. You can read their point of view chapters and go and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get where they're coming from. I get why they'd be in a position that they're in. Even, even the assassin, uh, like even reading his chapters, I was like, 
this guy, <laughs> he's got some issues. He's a little conflicted, but like I totally see where he's coming from and why he's doing the things he's doing. Well, is it because he has no choice? Like he has to do what he's told, even though he's consciously aware of what he's doing and may not agree. That's why he is so conflicted. But there's something beyond that that he's compelled to do what he's ordered to do. And uh, little do we, you know, we know, and uh, most of our characters, I don't think they even interact with him. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a pretty big reason for why we're even having this not, story. Not yet. Not yet? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the back of the book kind of says it all and let's get into some of these characters, man. Um, I think Calden is obviously the main protagonist and he's probably one of the easier ones to talk about, but, so, um, but who should we talk about? Basically every character kind of gets an equal amount of present day stuff. Yeah. But then I believe the intention is also in each book. One of the characters also gets additional like flashback oh. chapters. Oh, man. Uh, so, th so they kind of seem like they're the more prominent character of that book because they're getting a little bit extra screen time because of the flashbacks. So book one is Kaladin's book. We get his point of view chapters in the present, but we also get point of view chapters of him in the past as a younger kid, him growing up, you know, him learning to be a surgeon from his father, and, and eventually uh, some, some other things that happen, which we can get into. It's kind of like, you know, what led him to go from there to where he ends up being in the rest of the book, essentially. Well, well I was going to say, I feel like in order to do this justice, we should be able to completely kind of go into spoiler territory when it comes to the characters. Um, would you would you feel like we could, I guess, like suggest if this is something that people should read or, or, or kind of get to that and then get into more of the character side of things? Or do you think that we can still talk about the characters? Uh, uh, I'd be okay with starting to dive into some spoilers. Yeah. Like, I feel like the back of the book description, probably the best you're going to get from a non, for a non-spoiler kind of yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, you know, if you want to want to read about the the slave that tries to fight for his freedom, Mr. Mr. Calden there, then you, you. you'll probably enjoy the, uh, the the majority of the book. Yeah. The underdog story that he presents, man. Um, yeah, there. I mean, all, basically all the characters have flaws. They have a history that's not smooth by any means. And um, it's interesting to see how their actions and stories are all interconnected without even knowing it and some of them don't even see each other or know about each other uh, at the, at least at this point in the book but i think that the changing of perspectives in the story was fantastic i think we had talked about it one time where if this was just kaladin for like yeah. you know if they just went in order of like we're here's kaladin here's shalon here's dalinar you know the fact that the pacing feels really good and that's where it was keeping me interested because it'd give me maybe two Kaladin chapters in a row. And then it'd be like, oh, well, here we are with Dalinar. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that's where, you know, so that was really, yeah, exactly. really smooth. Like if I sat down and I read, I just read all of the Kaladin chapters back to back to back and, you know, like just went through 400 pages of that. Mm -hmm. It would have been pretty repetitive because a lot of his chapters are very much like him being around this this military camp and like interacting with a lot of the other military guys there. Yeah. 
But not a whole lot happens. All they really do is kind of sit around and talk. <laughs> then they go on a like a, a a bridge run. Bridge run. And then they come back and talk about it. And then they go on another bridge run and they come back and talk about it. And yeah. you would you would literally get this multiple chapters in a row where they're like, okay, here's a bridge run. Now we're now we're back at the camp talking about how much that sucked. <laughs> it, you know, if 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 we were to kind of critique it, yeah, it's kind of like they it was very active in the beginning until he got there. And then everything that he does uh, throughout the middle of the book into the the the, the finale, it's kind of just like little sprinkles and little you know build up. But it's not what's really happening is on the uh, with the other characters at the, in the middle. I feel like and um, yeah, the the middle portion of the book is definitely carried more by Shalon and Dalinar. Ooh. Not that the Kaladin stuff is bad. Like it's all very good and it's all very good character work. And I love getting to know the other members of bridge four a lot better. And I love watching Calden's like, uh, his confidence in being a mm-hmm. leader, just grow and grow more by every chapter he's in. Yeah. Like, that's all great. But like, again, if we were just reading that straight through to only focusing on Calden, it probably would have been a little bit too much. And that's, that's why having the, the little breaks in between the different battles that he's in and, you know, going and learning a little bit more about the world from Shalon and learning a little bit more about the, pol- the politics from Dalinar to it was just a very, very much more enjoyable flow because of that. Man, you, dude, you you just touched on something that I didn't even think about. Like each character does present those certain aspects of the world in their own way. Like Dalinar does really when you're reading his his chapters, the politics of everything is yeah. really presented. The military motivations and history of why they are doing what they're doing and. You know, because he goes through this transformation throughout this story, and um, in order to know where he's going, we have to know where they're, they're, he's breaking away from, and so we have mm-hmm. we get informed a lot about those details of this world. But Shalon, being out there in the world, being someone who's never really got out, you know, left home or did anything, we're experiencing this world for the first time through her eyes because she's experiencing the world for the first time in a lot of ways. And then, and just like, she's just, she's so intelligent. And so she's always like, I don't know, observing different things like, and pointing out she, different she's, details. She's very uh, book smart, but not necessarily very street smart. Yeah. that's so okay. It was interesting <laughs> like, kind of learning, uh, kind of watching her kind of actually get hands on and yes. uh, actually get a couple of uh, encounters here and there where, you know, maybe things would have been uh, pretty bleak if it wasn't for uh, her her mentor there to help her out and that's honestly, true. Not only her uh, she introduced her, but introduce uh, introduce us more to the magical side of the world because like even though there's all these like shard blades and shard plates and there's we haven't even touched on the the spren all the the fairies that are kind of like oh, yeah, scattered around. <laughs> there's a lot to the book. <laughs> there is. But like, but like, uh, um, what's her name? The uh, the one that hangs out with Kaladin? No? The 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 mentor for Shalon. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I'm just call it Brightness. Brightness. I just think of her as Brightness for the most part. <laughs> brightness. brightness. The, uh, uh, she She's uh, Dalinar's niece, apparently. Oh, uh, uh, J- uh, Jasnon. Uh, J-A-S. Jasnon. Jasnon? Yes, okay. There's a lot of characters. Jasnon Colleen, sister of... Jasnon. Yeah. So, like... Yasna is one of the few characters in this universe essentially that can like actually use magic and uh, like summon stuff. So yeah. it's it's cool to see us kind of get introduced to that 
through her eyes, through Shallan's eyes. Ooh, soulcasters. Uh, soulcasters. Yeah. It's also a pretty important part of her character because uh, <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> her entire motivation at the start of the book is she wants to steal a soulcaster. Yeah. So that's kind of why she and Yaza are uh, kind of meet in the first place. Yeah, and she wants to and be her, they, like, student, right? And this uh, Yasna is, like, the <laughs> smartest, one of the smartest people in this world, technically, I guess. So Yeah. But, yeah, uh, it, it turns out, you know, Shalange, all she wanted to do was go and rob her and get the Soulcaster <laughs> to help save her family, pay off a debt. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you know what? Once she's actually there, she's like, I kind of like this place. I kind of want to actually stick around and actually continue to learn more. I like that. And then, you know, of course, things hit the fan, and uh, it, it doesn't quite work out how she uh, wanted to, but yeah. <laughs> it, it was interesting to see the progression of events there. I, I agree, man. And um, I was just thinking about just what she went through to get there, man. There's like a lot of that first part where you're like, I don't think she's going to win this girl over. Like, I don't think she's ever going to get – she's going to have to like – go go through this plan in a different you know way uh completely but there are like certain examples like when she goes to get the books uh from that 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 bookstore and like you were talking about like her uh, you know street smarts kind of like her her way of interacting with the world starts to change and her swagger kind of changes and she starts using this thing in a different way instead of just repeating and, and stating knowledge She's using that and her knowledge of people and things to her advantage to almost like, I mean, she's a good liar. I mean, that's, she's lying a lot of times, pretty much the whole time she's out there. (laughs) So she's that clever. She's someone who could convince you uh, of so many things that you wouldn't know until the very end that, oh my God, this girl had me fooled the whole time. Like, but she also has this side of her that gets played a lot too. She's kind of, I don't know. She's kind of vulnerable in a lot of ways as as well. Um, she has a weird relationship with her family, and it gets much weirder as we can get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of the characters. Dalinar is one of my favorites, to be honest, man. Um, I don't know. I think I really was enjoying his conflict throughout the story and his his transformation from being this badass. The was it the Black Thorn? Uh, yeah. You know. This guy that's just known all around the camps of legendary just... war. He like he legendary. was the guy. <laughs> if you like, like if you had if the... you had the black thorn on your side during a battle, you were gonna win no matter what. No matter what, man. And it's almost like his um his peers, his colleagues, and even his sons, his family, uh, how they react to this this transformation that he's taking as far as his perspective and outlook on how to do things in the world. And, um, you know, obviously the big connection with him is that his brother is the one who gets assassinated in the beginning of the book. And on top of that, he, I think like with, when most tragedies happen, I think people like to take in their own way responsibility for it like they take it on themselves like it was my fault that this happened if i had only done this or if i hadn't done this and um you know you see that yeah, struggle it, you know it definitely hits down really hard because uh throughout the book they kind of emphasize on the night of the assassination there was a celebration going on they were all like partying and Dalinar got like blackout drunk he, he was not in any condition to protect his brother during the assassination attempt and it's something that kind of haunts him throughout 
yeah the his the entirety of his life afterwards like throughout the book he's always just like man if i just i've done things a little bit differently maybe we'd be in a very different position right now yeah things would have been a lot different um who else uh kaladin i mean I, I mean, there's basically the pacing of the book itself and the perspectives. I think that they each show different sides of the world, like you had said, from the political to the the, the world building, and just through the like, different personal motivations that each of these characters has, as far as like the reactions to the events that really kicked off why each of these characters are in these situations. Um, I think it's very unique and fun. I think that sometimes when an author um, has only one character to focus on, it can get a little bland. That's a lot of pressure. You know, when it's that one character that's your main protagonist that has all the POV, sometimes it can get a little, sometimes it can be fantastic. But I was actually really shocked because when I was getting attached to Kaladin and we went to Shalon and, and then we went to da uh, Dalinar and all these, when we started first switching up, I was like, Oh, hold up. I was just getting into this. Like, why are we, why are we going over here? But then by the end of this book, you're like, I'm so happy you did it this way. And, and now it feels like, you know, I, I actually like all of these characters and, and it gives you enough, uh, unique perspective to, it's like different types of food or, or types of music. You, you don't always want to listen to rock. You don't always want to uh, have pizza. I don't know. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, but uh, you know, you want to switch it up. And I think that that's what keeps a book that's like over a thousand pages with a lot of information, a lot of things going on fresh and, and, and keeps you interested because it just changes gears enough for you to stay actively involved with the story and everything starts to, as you get deeper connect and, and you can, can kind of see the building blocks and that makes you even more intrigued. You're like, ooh, what if this, you know, what's this going to do to this person? And, or what kind of effect will this have? And this information that they discovered over here, you know, wow, I look at these characters all different now, you know. So I, I really enjoyed that, man. And I think that through, throughout this whole story, um, I, you, couldn't, you couldn't have really asked for a, a better way of telling it. And I think that that's one of the things that, I wish more stories of this length would approach with and, and kind of trying to break in it, break it up. And uh, you could like, when I got through part one, I was like, okay, I got through part one. There's a little interlude, which, uh, you know, I told you, I didn't really get into just for, you know, trying to get the main story crunched down. But you know, that, that also from what I've heard and the little that I read expanded on the world building, you know, kind of gave yeah. you a little bit more from all these different places. Like, I think they did a good job with that. Like, yeah. And a lot of other stories, if they were going to, like, try and educate the reader about, like, an event that happened at some point somewhere, they would have characters stop and, like, monologue or yeah, tell boring. another character about it. But <laughs> in this, they're like, no, we're going to hold off. And then eventually, once we get to, like, a good stopping point on, like, the main series of events, mm -hmm. we're going to introduce an interlude chapter. Just a just kind of off-the-wall uh, point-of-view chapter of a character that you haven't been introduced to yet, but... It's not going to be very important because you don't need to really know anything about this character. There's going to be like a one-off for this chapter. We're going to introduce something about the world that will maybe come into play in a later chapter or maybe even the next book. You know, just, just, a, just a little tidbit. And for those those lore junkies that are looking to know more about the world, here's <laughs> you know here's your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Dude, um, 
Well, I want to get into some spoiler talk, man. Like we've been we've been we've been doing really good to kind of like hold it down. Uh, but but before we do that, I want to give uh, anybody watching or listening an opportunity to at least get uh, your uh, I wouldn't say final thoughts, but like, you know, your overall general uh, reaction and, and, and recommendation for this book. And then once we both do that real quick, we'll, we'll get into some spoiler filled details about some of this story and these characters. So uh, would you recommend this book? How well did you really enjoy it? Are you excited about the future of this series? And, uh, you know, stuff like that, stuff like that. I would 100% recommend the book. I know it's intimidating. It's over a thousand pages long. I have the book right here. It's a big, it's a big chunky book. It's big, intimidating, book. I know. <laughs> but this is probably one of the most well-paced books I've ever read. It, it is actually very easy just to pick up, read a chapter or two, and I, I can almost guarantee you, you'll be wanting to continue pushing forward. The characters are uh, very easy to relate to, very easy to get invested in their story. Like I, I feel like Brandon Sanderson's writing style is very approachable. Even if you're someone that hasn't read in years, I feel like it's an easy enough book to actually just pick up and start reading. The biggest hurdle is obviously going to be the fact that it's like, oh, it's a whole fantasy world, so now there's all these concepts you got to get introduced to. Mm-hmm. These all, all these magical creatures, these magical weapons. And then you have all these people with weird names like <laughs> like like Shalon, <laughs> Saladus, Dalinar. Like, what kind of names are those, right? Right. <laughs> so don't be too afraid to go into like the back of the book, find like the index and be like, all right, who's, who is this person again? What is the relationship? And I, I feel like by, by the time you get through the first part of the book, like maybe the first 200 pages or so, you, you'll probably get into the swing of things. It's, it's a bit of an investment at first, but I think it's worth it. This book is so gosh darn good. It's so entertaining. And it was a huge breath of fresh air. Just compared to a lot of other fantasy series, they, I love them. But they definitely get pretty stale. They use a lot of tired tropes and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, similar concepts. And this is definitely one of the ones that really just nails, hits it out of the park. It really does its own thing. It's very unique. I couldn't recommend it enough. Where do you think like the inspirations for some of these things came from? You know, besides the obvious like Tolkien and, and Martin's type stuff I, I, like i honestly feel like there's almost some sci-fi uh inspiration here like with the high storms the wa- and stuff high and storms like these this big storms out the, in the plains the springs or the, the, the spring the springs, yeah they're, they're kind of fairy like so yeah. you know it's it's not a super but like concept. nature is like alive in a weird way you know because yeah, like everything almost feels kind of insectoid a lot of the creatures are like scaly almost buck-like creatures they're, they're not you're yeah. They're not your traditional mammals, right? You're not yeah. going to run into like cats and dogs. They're, they're like <laughs> lizard things. And then when you go out to the plains, like there's these giant, almost like rhino-sized bug insect <laughs> monsters. <laughs> so like in that sense, like that's why I was saying earlier, it almost felt like this could take place on a different planet. Like it doesn't feel like it's medieval Europe. It's like medieval that's alien. That. It's like a got a right. alien vibe, yeah. <laughs> like if you took a fantasy series, but instead of having it take place on Earth, you just like we're gonna go over the Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what this feels like. Yeah. So in that in that sense, I, I definitely get like some sci-fi vibe. Yeah. No, dude, I, I definitely agree with everything you said, man. And I can't recommend this book enough. I mean, it was intimidating at first for someone like me. I think when uh, Kyle was talking about 
people who haven't really, you know, gotten into reading recently or even just new to reading in general, um, I think I could potentially fall in that category for for a lot of reasons. And um, but I just heard too many too many good things about it. And like you were saying, uh, I think we both had mentioned how it kept popping up wherever you would look, uh, whether it was on YouTube, Google, or asking people on, you know, like when I posted that on Twitter, you know, I got, you know, I got a pretty decent response and, it'll, and nothing negative about it. Um, and there was like a couple other books that had popped up on the radar and I do have intentions of checking them out like uh, something, uh, mm, something wind, uh, the way of the wind, I, I don't know why. Name the wind. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that was one that I, I, I actually, contemplated. I actually just read that series uh, before Stormlight Archives. Really? So really? If you ever want to talk about that? Yeah. It, was <laughs> it was it was it good though? Was it good? I have some issues with it, but yeah, it was it was pretty good. overall. Okay, cool, cool. I, I I could go on some rants, but I'll save that. For <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. It, I I think that this book has a lot of awesome action. I think that's something we haven't really touched on yet, but the action that gets depicted in here because there's some brutal uh, uh, battle scenes and situations that some of these characters find themselves in and how, you know, the way Ludenkow was uh, describing the shard plates and shard blades and just how OP godlike these soldiers are when they are on the battlefield with that kind of equipment. Like, you know, you remember the beginning of Lord of the Rings? When you see Sauron just hitting and swinging and all these soldiers go flying up in the air. That's how I imagine somebody yeah, <laughs> in <yeah>. Just like <laughs> all the Parshendi were just going flying around. And the Parshendi, we didn't even really describe that. That's who they're at, at war with basically. And something that I I, I, I looked yeah. up, their armor <laughs> is like infused into their skin. There's a lot of weird like I, I'm so glad you brought they're, up they're that sci-fi. They're not just like generic orcs, you know. They're they're yes. uh, kind of alien-like. Yes. Um. Kind of ties back into the uh, the nature thing, where like they're they're kind of like a fuse between like a like a bug and an alien, but yeah, they're still still man-like in a way. Like they're intelligent, you know, they can they can talk and stuff. Yeah, and so... that was that was the whole thing about the assassination. Is that they were uh, the Parshendi? Originally, yeah, originally there was going to be a, a peace treaty between the Parshendi and the, and the the humans, essentially. Yeah, and that kind of got all messed up. It's like, well, who would want to continue the war between humans and Parshendi? You know, like what's going on with that? And the Parshendi, uh, are, I guess, are located in the Shatter Plains. That's where they are, right? Like, that's is there is their main place there? That's like the uh, the middle between like their land and oh, the, the rest of the area. Okay, okay, so that makes more sense now. Um, and the shattered plains, it, it, you know, the whole bridge crews and and bridge runs and stuff like that. Those are very tense, stressful moments. There's oh, just yeah. there's just a lot here that I think uh, there's a lot of stuff to offer to readers and people who have so many interests. So like, if you like action it, scenes, oof. it's a thousand page book. Yeah. But like compared to other thousand page books and like, because they're not wasting a lot of time being very descriptive about the way somebody looks, <laughs> <laughs> they actually can fit in so much more context. Like so much more stuff happens. Yeah. The action is more prevalent. The, you know, the actual important stuff feels like it's actually, there's actually stuff going on. Yeah. Like the, the, it's a fast paced thousand page book. Yeah. Nothing feels like filler. It's kind of like anime. Like, you know, the, I think pacing 
in the day and age where people talk about attention spans and different things like that, you know, it's probably intimidating for an author or a creator of any kind to think, you know, well, how am I going to get somebody to be invested in this like pretty big book, you know, especially in this day and age. But I think pacing is something that every creator should always consider. Like if you can have really good pacing, you, you can, that gives you so much leeway with everything else. I think like, because every chapter, whether it was a flashback, whether it was a battle scene, whether it was just dialogue or world building, it, it all felt like interesting and useful. And it, it, and it left me, the reader feeling like in some way or another, I'm getting something out of this that, uh, you know, it's going to carry on throughout the story, you know, like, yeah, there's moments to breathe and it's like, okay, they're just, they're at a, you know, uh, a dinner talking, but there is some character development going on here or reactions to certain events that we just dealt with, or maybe some things are getting set up for later. And how, how, how are these relationships, things like that. So whether you're looking literally at, every scene in the book is important. If it's not an actual like battle, that's important. It's an important character interaction. That's going to come up later. Mm -hmm. It's an important setup for, uh, maybe like a new like a new ability that happens later on. Like every scene, I, I could go back and reread the book and be like, oh, this is you know leading up to this thing that's going to happen in the you know a couple pages. You know, like True. everything is super important. I think that's probably what happened with the whole Kaladin arc in the middle. Is like a lot of things were kind of getting him to where we see him in the finale, but it kind of gave yeah. us some. It more... was definitely very important. Like if we had just jumped from him after like the first bridge run or two mm -hmm. just straight to like the end of the book it would have been like how did we get here like why is he <laughs> how is he like almost this completely different person like what's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i think i think if you guys want to read this book and you haven't yet read brandon sanderson's the way of kings uh i think you heard uh, enough here uh, hopefully to convince you or intrigue you enough to go pick this up i i bought my copy off of amazon for i think seven eight bucks paperback uh you know uh loon has got the hardcover you can you can listen to it on audible which uh you know i think is uh you can which get that, a free that trial might be a really good way oh, the audiobook is really good really good and i'm telling you you're gonna enjoy it and i think there's enough there for everyone uh so no matter what your uh, expectations are or even uh taste for a, a, a good story I think if you are if you're looking for the world building, the action, the characters, the story, all that is there, and the pacing of it, is just fantastic. For to get through this book, you know, I mean, some of the the Potter books, some of the Lord of the Rings, some of these other books, there's there's some chunky, thick books out there, and some mm -hmm. of them can be a chore. Some of them can be like feel like, oh gosh, you know what? We'll get to this later. There was not a, a moment in time. That's why we delayed this for a couple weeks because I was taking my time, but I was also just enjoying it. It wasn't like I was trying to rush through it just to get to this moment where we're talking about I, I was it. I was encouraging you to take your time. Like, don't rush it. Like, exactly. You you might get into a part where you're like, wow, this is amazing. I want to keep turning the page, which is fine. Yeah. Like, don't force yourself to read through it. It's something that you're, you know, you need to pace yourself. Enjoy it. And you know what, Kyle, to be honest, I know that there, this is a series and I know that there's going to hopefully be 10 of these, uh, at least four by the end of this year. And I'm excited about the sequels, but it felt like I'm going to be honest with everybody listening, watching and just talking to you. 
another reason why I was like not really trying to rush it as I got deeper and deeper is like, wow, this is like one reading. It's like watching something like Star Wars for the first time or, or reading or watching My Hero, something that to me, oh man, like this is the first time I'm going to experience these characters and stories that I might for a while be familiar with in some ways or be attached to. And um, so there was something really cool in that because that doesn't happen every time. I know that you play a lot of games, read a lot of different books, different shows. I think we all do. There's only a few that are like the ones that really knock it out of the park where you're like, yo. This is something special. This is going to be one of you keep keep up with over time. Exactly. And that's and that's that was something like as I kept going through it, I'm like, dude, I am digging these characters, man. And I'm really liking the direction of where we're going with this story. And 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 I just was like, all right, because once it's done, it's done. You know, I'm, I, I do. Even though this is a pretty big book, I have now with like, you know, you were just talking about like rereading it and talking about like seeing certain things build up. And, oh, I, I would have never even thought about that reading it in the moment. Right now, ah, I see it. So, yeah, if you, if you get the chance, uh, please do yourself a favor and check out Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings, whatever way that you feel comfortable with. Shoot, I'll let you borrow my copy. I'm sure you, it, I don't know what libraries are doing at this moment in time, but please, uh, I, I heavily su- uh, encourage you to support your local libraries. I'm sure that you can find this book at most libraries. So if you don't feel like you know throwing out money to get a copy of your own, by all means, you have you know uh, those resources available, and uh, I think like uh, most libraries, I know mine offers this like e uh, ebook and audiobook yeah. app. As long as you have a, lot a library of libraries, now let you rent ebooks. So if you like connect it to your uh, tablet or whatever, yeah. you can read the books. And you have to like return the ebook. You still rent it. You don't <laughs> yeah. keep the file. But yeah. that's cool uh, that they it, do that. It's a, it's a viable option. Sure. There you go. Um, so yeah, so at this point we're gonna go into spoilers, um, and we're gonna we're just gonna geek out. We know, and we we talked about this before the episode that we're probably gonna miss out on a lot of uh, different information and you know moments and stuff. And um, if we do, hey, bring it up to us on social media or wherever you guys want to get in contact with us. And if you're watching this now on stream and you've read this book and you want to geek out with us, feel free to pitch in. Um, but where, where, do, where should we start, man? What, what is something that you would be most excited to talk about when it comes to like spoiler talk? Uh, since you're the oh, guest, man. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's a so lot. Many of... places, so many places you could start because like, there's so many different places, but I think, I think we can start with the, the man, uh, the man, the, the man, the man, Kaladin. Kaladin. Yes. All right. All right. What, what, what about Kaladin, man? This, 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 uh, Let's jump into old Kaladin's. I think I think it's safe to say that Bridge Four is one of the highlights of the entire book. Just that entire squad of people, their struggles, their event, their slow climb into relevancy within the army, and how they are able to inspire the other groups around them to, to continue to fight and, and, and you know try to achieve their freedom. Bro, can you talk? Let's talk about bridge crews, right? Bridge crews. <laughs> this is this is another part of the uh, of this whole story where you're like, I never would have thought of something like that, but it's super cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad they included it. It's weird, to be honest, 
because then it's even weirder when you start to realize that not everybody does it that that way. Like Sadius, he has different ways to bring his bridges across. Or, or no, not not Sadius. Dalinar does right. Dalinar has yeah, these so creatures. Dalinar, Dalinar has like these really slow, like uh, they're like towers that drop the bridges. Yeah, kinda like how uh, I guess I guess I can imagine the the towers from the Lord of the Rings where they're like sieging Gondor and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what I imagined when I was reading them. But he has like the really slow moving ones. But the problem is a lot of times these shadow plane battles are. Uh, an alert goes off. Somebody, like a scout, sees another group moving across the plains, but they're out there trying to get these valuable gem hearts. These, mm-hmm. uh, these valuable pieces of, um, they're they're like literally monster organs essentially, but they're mm-hmm. like valuable. It can be used for for all sorts of different ass different yeah. things. And so the problem with Dalinar's approach is while they're safe and nobody gets hurt using them, they're they're slow. So. Um, Sadius developed these actual like crews of people that use hand, hand like well I say handmade but they're they're smaller but they're like these big wooden bridges that they have to be carried by hand. <sighs> so he literally utilizes slaves and carries these bridges even though they're faster. You have people getting shot, people getting killed, but he gets it out there faster and so he can actually challenge these uh, Parshani to the the gem hearts. Bro. I did not envision the story going in that direction. And the and when we're talking about detail and description, um, Kaladin has a, a, a pretty serious fall, right? Let's just be honest. Like he mm-hmm. suffers from the fact that everyone around him dies. He, he, and he continuously guilts himself for that. I don't know if it's the surgeon in him. Um, it, it, his father being a surgeon, wanting him to be a surgeon, wanting him to save lives and realizing that Kaladin has this uh, immense ability to be really talented at that. But as we learned through certain flashbacks that he, you know, he wants to be a soldier. He wants to, you know, he picks up that spear for the first time and he feels like it's almost natural. And so there's a really cool theme of like what your parents want you to do, but what you, what you and your heart want to do. And then also trying to like, in some ways kind of please everybody. It's like, well, how can I, kill people on the battlefield and also save lives. He, he kind of suffers with this philosophical debate and this morality of like, you know, how, what is right and what's wrong in this, not just in general, but for myself as well. Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Because obviously people are dying around me and why am I left here to suffer? So when he has his fall of grace in the beginning and he becomes a slave and then he goes into this camp at first, you're almost looking at it like, Oh dude, He's going to be all right. He's a soldier. He's going to a military camp. He might just like somehow, hey, I, I have experience. And they're like, well, hey, buddy, you know, we're not going to say you're going to be one of us. But what's that? You got medical experience? Well, hey, hey, come over here. You don't need to be on the front line. <laughs> no, you know what they do in this world? They put you in one of the worst situations. Imagine uh, storming the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. Like when those men get out of the boats, when you have that dude, the Parshendi are literally just blick, blick, just just weighing them out. You have dude, those this, bridge crews, man. Oh my gosh, dude! You have you have literally no armor. You might as well be looking like Dobie from Harry Potter with just like a <laughs> a, a potato, you know, freaking cloth. Yeah, anyways, anyways, you're, you're carrying these bridges. And you're just running to your death, man. And it's not even just that. You're laying down these bridges. 
the the army crosses pick it up and it's that yep. over like one of the first times that kaladin goes on one of these bridge runs it's just the exhaustion you feel because he's just like damn my freaking feet are about to fall off my legs are tired my shoulders are freaking aching like and then seeing people around him die and then if you're in the front of the bridge crew i mean you're an easy target so those runs yeah. dude they're so stressful and 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 imagine that being your it was, thing. It was stressful reading it because I'm like, yeah. Well, Cal is a point of view character, so he's probably going to be okay. But every <laughs> other character in that scene, they're 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 probably going to die. Yeah. So anybody he gets attached to, and that's his other like his theme of anybody he gets close to dies. Like you're you're worried about anybody that even starts a conversation with. You're like, oh, bro, don't you don't want to know Kaladin, dude. <laughs> you're probably yeah. going to rip real quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what, what was – then he has that fairy, the like basically the, the, the wind sprint or whatever that comes over yeah. to him. And that dynamic was interesting. Um, she starts it to re- be – It was really cool because I was like, okay, I see. He's got like a little – spirit companion that's interesting i wonder why he's so special to have a spirit companion (laughs) Uh, eventually that like makes more sense as time goes along but then it's interesting because we're starting to learn more about the sprint and it's like normally sprint aren't intelligent and they can't speak that this is like very unusual very unusual circumstance so we can kind of actually uh learn more about the sprint through a one of the actual sprint and that's always a very interesting concept to to go into um like what are the spread you know sometimes these like fairies show up sometimes they're fueled by nature sometimes they're fueled by emotions it's it's very hard to say when they'll actually show up or you know what capacity sometimes they just are like a brief liquor that show up and sometimes it's an actual physical manifestation that will stick around for a while yeah it's very inconsistent but it's very intriguing because throughout this book every character experiences Brian in like different ways yeah like pain or, or yeah like just nature things uh you know and nobody can see her and mm-hmm. I, I so like other than her i was just kind of like anytime it was getting brought up i'm like all right whatever you know i wasn't really paying too much attention to it because it almost felt at one point like this is just a way to uh justify her presence and who she is but then we start to realize that she's different like she, she starts to say things you're like Excuse me, could you repeat that? Like, what did you what? say? <laughs> Kaladin, bro, you need to, yeah. Kaladin, now, Kaladin's <laughs> been through some shit, so you start to think, like, is this dude just going crazy? Like, is he just mentally exhausted, broken down, and now he's starting to see things, and he's just having these conversations with himself, but he's projecting. You start to, you know, you're especially in the beginning, because when you're introduced to her, you're like, he's at one of his lower points too. And he's like almost contemplating suicide or, mm-hmm. you know, doing a lot of different things there, which actually happens a couple of times. So he had some really low, low points and those bridge runs were intense, bro. Um, and, and that's kind of where the middle of the book kind of just like, they just happen. And then, but like he starts to build this kind of crew and I, I like his crew that he does I guess like because not everybody makes it, but there's there's some that are just like really, really funny. And there's that one guy that likes to cook, and he he, he kind of mm-hmm. talks all you know. He's kind of funny, and uh, you know there's some interesting characters. He's got his little you know 
uh, just this little crew. Uh, I think of like Captain right. America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like some of them are kind of stereotypical, but it's yeah. fine. Like you got, the, yeah. you got the big buff dude, but he's actually like kind-hearted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like I, I, I tend, I grew to uh, pretty attached to a lot of the, the bridge crew members by the, by the end of the book. Yeah. Oh, but this. Uh, can we shit on what's his face? Who's the gas or guy or who's the guy yeah. that? Oh, ga- I think it was Gaz, right? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> Screw this, man. (laughs) Yo, I hate that guy. He's like that stereotypical anime bully guy. Yeah, man. (laughs) Always putting them in the worst, like, predicaments and situations, man. Um, Oh, her name is Sil. Sil. That's her name. Sil is the uh, the spring. Yeah. Man, it's it's so crazy, man. And and so then we we learn about Kaladin and Stormlight and how he has, like, this ability to, to control and use stormlight where you su- really clever too like we're, we're, it's kind of hinted at slowly over time it's like well for some reason whenever calvin's <laughs> holding money like the charge goes away i don't Damn. know what's up with that. <laughs> i didn't really think of much of it i was just like oh, okay whatever but by the time you know eventually it starts getting more and more intense it's like what calvin why why are you literally glowing with energy it's like I oh, hold on, hold on. I kind of like how right. everyone starts to notice it. It's not like this weird. Usually, when a story takes that kind of, oh, this character's special, they they always try to you know hide it. But it gets to moments where he's just out there and he's just like, I don't know how to control this. Things are happening. Like, what was the time when he was like hung up, and the, and he's like, yo, tell so, me. So after yeah. one of the the bridge runs. He, he tried a different tactic. I think it was after the side. He did, uh, Wasn't that? Yeah, the... he, they tried carrying it on the side. Yeah. While it worked out really great for the bridge crew, it kind of screwed over every other <laughs> crew because <laughs> they became the more appealing That's... targets. Yeah. And so his punishment for, for that failed run was he, essentially he got strung out uh, on a, like a pole during yeah. a high storm. Oh, uh, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I couldn't help but feel like, man, this feels like he's just being put out there like, on the crucifix, like a Jesus yeah. Christ figure or yeah. something. And, and literally, he 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 takes the full brunt of the storm, and I, I feel like he essentially dies. But then he comes back because of the uh, the storm energy. Bro, that's like 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 it, it might have been a little bit too on point, but I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see where this is gonna go. Yeah, and he t- <laughs> he tells the crew, he's like, yo, come get me. But if I'm like, you know. If you don't see me, like it doesn't he say something where he's like, you know, if I'm if uh, if I appear dead or if I'm dead, he does something where he tells them to come back and check on him, and, and they'll know yeah, like, like to get him down. If not, yeah, they're like, we don't need to kill him. We're just gonna have the storm, you know, decide. Bro, turns out he he does survive barely, but apparently he has these powers where he can absorb stormlight and rapidly accelerate not only his healing, but then he can also like use it to power himself up. He gets stronger if he absorbs some energy. That's cool. So it's kind of cool that these, these powers just start to manifest, and it's like, okay, where are we going to go with this? You know, like, what's he going to do with these abilities? Now, is it? I wonder if it's something that's always been there. Does that make sense? Like, or I don't know if in if in any of the flashbacks of him growing up and being with his dad and TN and you know the whole surgeon. Like, I don't think he has any other examples of this. I I don't. Granted, I'm only like halfway through the second book, so maybe this is explained somewhere else. But I, I get the feeling it might have something to do with uh, Syl. I feel like as soon as she showed up, his, these powers started to develop. She, she says something near the end, like where she's like, it's all my fault. And he's like, what? And like 
something where she's feeding off of him though too right that's how she's getting to become more self-aware like, like her being in his presence kind of makes uh her more intelligent and, and they you know, kind of able to be more functional but then on the verse and reverse side you know him being her presence kind of he kind of gets these storm stormlight powers mm -hmm. dude very beneficial uh relationship if you ask me <laughs> Cal Caladin is one of my favorite characters in a long time to root for he's always humble his unselfishness throughout every situation that we find him in is really cool. Even when he starts to develop these powers, he doesn't really get too cocky. He does, but it's not towards everyone around him. It's towards like gas. He's like, all right, yo, this is what's happening, bro. You're going to be doing this. I'm going to give you some of my money, but I don't even care. But you're not going to this. This shit ain't going to fly no more. You know, he I will. My <laughs> Yo, I'm getting out of this. You, you shitbag, dude. I hate you so much. Yeah. So there, there's, there is this humbleness, and I think it's because he always feels like I, the themes about Kaladin that I really like is yes, he's an underdog. Um, he's going through a lot, but there is I love that relatability that his situation of like, what do I, who, what am I supposed to be? Like, my father wants me to be the surgeon. And I think in a lot of ways he he could do that. And there, the, I think the flashbacks really help out develop that, you know, those relationships and him seeing his dad. And there was like even one part where these people tried to rob his dad and his dad like was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm the one that saved y'all. I've, you know, I've mm -hmm. served you guys and, and you want to take from me? Okay. And, you know, I, just different things like where I was like, I really like how they've made this dynamic and I love how they use these flashbacks um to kind of really uh strengthen uh, a lot of the stuff that we're getting but him wanting to be a soldier still is really cool and he's such a badass on the battlefield like with a staff dude holy crap dude it's like gambit man he's just like <laughs> <laughs> he's unmatched with a spear <laughs> yo i love it man um i think i can't remember if it was in this book or the next one but there's like well, there's like a scene somewhere where he he gets a sword and he's like no, you know what? I know that the sword is like a symbol of honor, and it's like supposed to be considered the more the superior weapon. But he feel he feels more comfortable with the spear, so he puts the sword down, and gets the spear. Dude, that's lit. That's so cool. And I love like he and ah, oh, dude. Okay, we'll get to the finale in the finale of this episode. Uh, so Kaladin, yeah, dude, he's just it, 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 you're rooting for him the whole time. He has a lot of stressful moments, a lot of down moments. I mean, the guy thinks about killing himself a couple times, man. And you're you as a reader, you're like, dude, I would have done this shit. That I do not blame you, bro. You have been through a lot. And these people that you're around are basically wanting you to die in one way or another. That's why you're on the bridge crew. And the fact that you're still alive, yeah, at one point you almost start to question like is being alive more of a punishment than death, you know? Like, you know how sometimes they'll say that? It's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to wish that you were, you know, want, get you to mm -hmm. wish that you were dead. Um, but Kaladin's definitely one of the best characters. Um, let's get into, who should we get into next? Just thinking about, let's get into uh, Shalon. Let's get into hers because I'm honestly, as much as I don't mind her, she annoyed me at certain points. Okay. Uh, yeah, I th I feel like I had the biggest turnaround in my appreciation of her character. At first, I was like, I guess she's okay, but <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm really into this whole. I'm gonna 
you know, be a thief and then run back to my family kind mm. of storyline. And uh, not to mention that her story felt the most disconnected. She's like completely off, like, like a different part of the world, whereas Cal is over in the Shattered Plains and Downers, like on the outset, you know, he's still like a, a military figure. And he eventually goes to the Shattered Plains, which we'll get to later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so her story definitely felt the most disconnected. But by the end, and once you start seeing like where Brandon Sanderson's like setting up her story and like the direction that she's eventually going to go into, I definitely found a lot more appreciation for it. Okay. Okay. I I can see that, man. I mean, so like based off of her description, she's a minor light eyes. Um, her family has fallen on hard times after the death of her father. And so that's why she's even doing what she's doing. Uh, she seeks to be accepted as the ward and student of the renowned scholar Yasna Colin. Um, and she's a skilled artist. Like that was something that I thought was really cool though. Like she even, I don't know, like I think artists are appreciated in this world, but not as much as like, um, like a, a true scholar of information. Like, you know, like even, uh, Yasna was just kind of like, I don't care that you can draw really like what's that you know what do you know about philosophy what do you know about this that's not a useful skill (laughs) (laughs) but like she has this really crazy photographic memory where she can she even has a weird way of putting it it's like she captures the people in her pictures like uh, in in the things that she'll start to draw throughout the art that are kind of like visions in her own way of like what she's seeing like why am I seeing these things and they're like damn where'd you see those at uh, right. She starts seeing some like really messed up things. It's like, oh yeah. god, <laughs> like yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but she she was clever, and it took a little bit to get into her story. But I started to really vibe with it. Um, I thought her dialogue and conversations with other characters were really cool, man. Um, but there was just moments where I was just like, maybe I got annoyed because I was like. I would like you to just say, you know what? This is pretty cool. I don't want to steal this. Why do I need to go back to my family? Like they, it kind of feels like her family doesn't really care about her. They're just kind of using her, you know? So you kind of would hope that we just need you to kind of save the family from going completely bankrupt and losing our reputation. Yeah. We'll just (laughs) kick it back here though, you know? Um, And then she, she, uh, there's a lot of cool philosophical and moral debates that comes through her story alone. Uh, there's that part where her and uh, Yasna, I'm probably saying that wrong, but they go in that alley and Yasna kills those guys and it just flips up, you know, Shalon's like, yo, what the hell? Did you just kill those dudes just <laughs> to kill them? Like, what's up? And Like, oh, God, like, just because you have the power doesn't mean you have the right to go kill people. Yo, like, yeah. Like, who makes you the judge, jury, and executioner in this situation? Like. Oh, goodness. I, and you know what? She's honestly very neutral. And I kind of like that. She was just someone who only appreciated facts. And, and and I think that that perspective is nice because it feels like she will think out any situation. She's not already predetermined on her feelings and thoughts. So um, whenever she's kind of talking to different people, she'll kind of weigh out both sides. Like, well, hmm, I could see, you know, and I like that dynamic uh, of her. Because sometimes when a an, an intelligent character is presented, they're kind of just kind of stuck in their ways. They like they they know it all, so they, they there's nothing that you can tell me that's gonna surprise me, and I'll I'll show you. And I don't think she does that. She's very open to information, and she's curious 
about characters mm-hmm. and their perspectives. Um, she has these dynamics with, I guess, like these priests. In a, I guess that's what they are. They're these religious figures in, in this society. Uh, they believe in the almighty and they try to... Yeah, so, so that ends up being kind of a big part big. of the Shalom story. Uh, Yasna is like a, a notorious uh, atheist, essentially. She doesn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she kind of just re- denounces all religious beliefs and doesn't take religion seriously. But then there's like the holy order and they're like well i mean <laughs> we're kind of a big deal so you should kind of respect us and she's just like nah i don't care but she what is yes not doing isn't she's in a kingdom uh with this king but allowed certain study like she's researching something but i don't know it's like i never really understood that whole dynamic or why she's there except for the soul caster which we learn soul casters are used in a lot of different ways, but like even in a war scenario to build things, to, to create different objects and things for soldiers and different stuff like that. Um, the, in soul casting is like alchemy in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's very much focused on the elements and stuff. Like there is moments like when, um, Shalon gets poison where it's like, I don't know how to do the blood stuff. I'm sorry. You know, like this is new to me. Like blood is pretty tricky. You know, we, we're talking about water, different things like that. That's one thing, yeah. but I do like how the soul casting works though. What, what did you think about that? Cause that's kind of like the very, very magical aspect to me, other than what we've already seen with like sharp blades and, and, and stormlight. But what did you think about the whole soul casting dynamics? in the story it was intriguing to for sure i i found it to be probably one of the hardest parts of the the book to actually follow like there, there's a lot of moving parts in the way soul casting works and the different utilizations of it mm-hmm. or even like you know how who can even be a soul you know who can use soul casters yep. or something very complicated process and i feel like it's fine for now like shalon is supposed to be a complete novice you know us kind of looking at the world through her point of view it's supposed to be like a, oh this is a new concept it's gonna take time to actually yeah, be able to develop it. it and you'll learn more about it um and, and you definitely get a lot more of that in the book two i won't yeah. go into any details now but like mm. it definitely gets expanded a lot more uh over time yeah yeah it, it, i i think i agree with you because i think even in the end of the book they actually try to explain <laughs> like i think there's like some charts <laughs> that try to explain different things about soul casting almost like a periodic table in a, in a sense the r right. the, the ar the ars arc arcanum the 10 essence and their historical associations i guess i don't know maybe this has nothing to do with it uh, but it definitely like body. It's it's interesting, man. There's a there is that side of it where to me they're like the wizards though, like they're 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 that you know the the educational intelligent you know figures in that society. And that if you do have any wizards in, if you want to be vague with that term, wizards, it would be the females that are you know educated. Because guys don't know how to read or write. Like one of the big things about the assassination is the request to like he the the uh, Dalinar's brother goes, hey, well, hey, I got you, you just killed me. That's cool. Can you tell my brother something? Ah, and he takes his blood <laughs> and he writes out his last words. And everybody's like, 
did he know how to write? And it's like, was he keeping that from us? And and so that kind wow. of, whoa. And then when Shalon goes into that bookstore and there's also that kind of dynamic too, where uh, the, the man who owns the shop, I guess, but his wife is the one that really takes care of the books. I, I think that's how I picked that up. And he's, like, he works the, the store, but like his wife is the one that's really like, the one that runs the whole store. Yeah. She does the books. She does all the numbers. He's just like, I'm just here to collect the money. <laughs> uh, do you want a romance novel? And and, and Shalon's like, of course you would think that. Huh? And they have this like, the, <laughs> but then I see that's when her, her book smart and street smart, like evolved and leveled up. I feel like, cause then they kind of tricked her, tricked the people into thinking like, well, you know, down there at this other store, I could, you know, they kind of play with that to kind of, you know, trick them. And I, it, Shalon's like her story and her wanting to steal this. And, and there are those parts where you're like, I get it. You know, what would you do with your, for your friends and family that you care most about? You know, some of us would have to, you know, think about some of the moral decisions that we probably wouldn't go for right off the bat. But given the circumstances, like, hey, what would you do for your family? Yeah, this isn't this isn't really cool, but hey, this is the situation. I think there's there's that, but um I don't know, man. Like near the end, after she got poisoned and we figured out that, you know, she was basically being tricked by that one dude to eat the bread. The bread and jam shit got annoying for me. I'm sorry. It just was <laughs> yeah. just like, would you like some bread? <laughs> How about the jam? And and all that stuff, but I like their conversations. Their her dialogue, their dialogue with her uh, was always the most intriguing, in my in my opinion. Um, and just sure. it's sometimes even hard to keep up with because she was so clever. Um, especially when I'm listening to the audiobook, the one that uh, the the person who reads her perspective did such a fantastic job of capturing this like. I'm so smart and fast when I speak. So it was just like, just stuff like that. Um, but yeah. And then near the end, you know, I guess her and, uh, um, uh, Jessna or whatever, they're, they're going to go investigate some stuff and they're going to, it's going to play out to the bigger story. And I think that's what helped it. Cause at first it was just like, Oh, you just want to get the soul caster for your family. That's it. It's like, yeah, where? It's kind of by the very end it's kind of like oh wait because of their ties to like the magic system and all the studying they've been doing mm -hmm. they, they they're kind of like the pivotal characters that are gonna lead us to the end game essentially you know like the this big uh they're they're gonna be the ones that are gonna try and stop the the next desolation from happening yes and the fact that they're they're focused on that and that they're gonna educate us the reader more on that than probably any other characters um I think that's going like, to be all the other characters are dealing with very much with the, the here, the now and the politics. But then they got Yasna and Shalon. They're like, we're looking long term. We got we got to go stop the apocalypse. I mean, but right. <laughs> but 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 they're even I thought it was really interesting when Yasna told Shalon about the assassination, which was like, why? You know, basically kind of seeing what she thought, like, w what were the motivations? Why would somebody want to do this? What? You know, and I thought that was really cool. Because like I was telling you, uh, you know, Shalon, she takes everything and she kind of goes and examines it from so many different perspectives. And I was like, wow, Yasna really finds it intriguing that this girl, you know, can do that. Like she's useful to her in that way. And she finds potential in her 
you know, through that as well. Because when Yasnov figures out that Shalom basically betrays her and wanted to steal the Soulcaster, and after working so hard to win over her trust, it still feels like she started to build this connection with her. And she even tells Shalon that you had so much potential. You would have been like the the next thing. Uh, and you threw that all away for, you know, this. And so I all the way to be a petty thief. Yeah. And, and, and she was the one I was the most worried about because reading the back of the book, you see that thief and one of us is going to destroy us. She had the most selfish motivations throughout this book, at least. But like you said, near the end, things really take a turn. And so whatever beliefs or feelings you had towards her and her arc definitely change. Um, but other than that, it was just interesting dialogue. It was a really good change of pace from the downer side of Kaladin's situation and uh, and, uh, and really even the action-packed politics of uh, Dalinar. So it was a, I, I really actually looked forward to getting to her perspectives a lot of the time. So... Um, so this is pretty much, I mean, there is Seth, who's the assassin, but he only has like minor roles, at least in this story. And I wouldn't even say roles, but parts. Uh, he's at the yeah, beginning. He, he really doesn't show up a whole lot. It's just kind of him being like, well, there, there's a badass scene at the beginning of him yo. assassinating the guy. Love that. Where, yo. Can't praise that, can't praise that chapter enough. But then throughout the rest of the book, he's kind of just like, all right, well, I'm being summoned here from from my master to to talk about what's going on na- next, and yeah, you know the kind of my inner turmoil. Of, you know, do I have any regret doing what I did and stuff like that? Yeah, man. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, uh, when uh, the genie, you know, and when Jafar got the genie, he's like, "Sorry, kid, I got a new master now," and it's just like, "Dang." <laughs> Janie, what are you oh doing? God. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. No, what are you doing? Yeah, so... He, Don't fool this to me. Yeah, he just kind of feels like, yeah, like a vessel. He has a conscience. I really liked how he did find it uh, super... It's in their culture to like, hey, you respect somebody's last wishes no matter what. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, instead of him just being this cold-blooded assassin... The, this whole thing and even in the back of the book where he talks about an assassin who weeps as he kills i wonder where that goes he has the most it, it, to me i'm more curious about where he's going to develop even though he got a he's, little he's, bit here he's definitely the most mysterious character for sure yeah and i think that's always attractive you know he's like ooh, what is this what is this guy going to be doing here and you know later on um but yeah that badass scene in the beginning dude bro what a good introduction, not only just to the whole story, but like yeah. that character specifically. You're just like, oh my god, who is this guy? <laughs> Doing gravity <laughs> things, guy? you know, just running, stabbing, killing. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's <laughs> We can't do enough justice for it. If you haven't read it, or if you have read it, you guys know what we're talking about. Uh, dude, it's so good. Um, and it's, it's, it's His story is booked in really well, too. Like, not only, like I said, the beginning's awesome, but then you get to the end, you're like, Oh, that's that's what's gonna happen with this character next. Oh, oof, oof, oof. <laughs> bring, bring out bring out book two, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so excited for book two. Um, let's get into Dalinar, bro. What did you think about Dalinar? So Dalinar was a very interesting case because at first he gets introduced like way later than like all the other main characters, so I yeah. wasn't really sure how I felt about him in that regard. But he he quickly grew to be my favorite character of the entire book. 
I, I know it's easy. It's easy to like Kaladin, but Dalinar is my, my man. He's but my, yeah, my you one. root for Kaladin. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to not root for an underdog. But Dalinar is in a, a, like, He's a very conflicted guy. He he has mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes in his past, and he's you know living with all these uh, expectations. Him being the Blackthorn, he's supposed to be the best warrior in all the land. He's from a noble family. He has a lot of nobility in his family. Like he's like closer related to the king, and then he has his like his niece uh, Yasna. Like very politically influential throughout his entire family, and yet you sympathize with him because he has like all of these burdens that he has to deal with, and then he starts experiencing all these visions, and you don't know if what he's seen is actually happening or if he's actually going crazy due to all the stress and other things that have been going on in his life, like. It's a very compelling story to go through when when you're reading his point of view chapters, dude. And he's such a he's like you say he's so close to the political spectrum of things. And with his brother being the one that got assassinated, uh, now he has this nephew that's running running things, uh, but is super paranoid about getting assassinated. That becomes a whole plot thing about the whole strap on the horse getting cut. And, 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 and it always feels like somebody is somebody you can't trust people around Dalinar. You don't know if people are trying to use this situation with him having these visions or appearing kind of like crazy as a way to kind of go, well, I guess we got to get this man out of here. Am I right, guys? He's kind of wacky. Ooh, you know? <laughs> oh, he might be trying to kill you, King. You know, I, like <laughs> go, put, I go put him in the basement. Now. <laughs> yeah. But you see, you see how everyone reacts to that. But more specifically, uh, Aladdin, like his his son, and um, you know the people closest to him. And Aladdin is someone I actually really like too. I and mm-hmm. and at first I was kind of hit or miss, to be honest. But you kind of see him. He feels for his dad. He's he really looks up to him and respects him. And there's those moments where Dalinar that one time. Is letting Aladdin pretty much do all the 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 command, you know, responsibilities, and Aladdin's like, "Yo, what's up, Dad? Like, you went? Why why am I doing all this?" He's like, "You did a really good job." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but he's like, I don't know. He he just wants to give him the benefit of the the doubt. Like, he wants to believe that what his father is going through is legit. It's not just him being old and crazy, but there's still that part of him that's like. You raised me as the Black Thorn. You were the Black Thorn when you raised me. And now you're switching this whole dynamic. And as your son, you want me to just kind of go with it. But in this kind of society, it's that respect and tradition that is instilled, ingrained in these people, especially in the military aspects. But through like the code and these different things that Dalinar starts to try to preach and not only preach – that's one of the interesting dynamics about Dalinar is that inner conflict that we all deal with in some ways about what we want to do that we feel is right or whatever, this kind of like way of living and, and what we have done and what we are doing. And I feel like he's constantly struggling with that, but he constantly also gets examples of, yo, there's there's some there's some proof to this. There's like this is the way to do it. One of the thing wasn't one of the things where, you know, you don't want to basically be drinking when you're, you know, at war, and that's one of the things mm-hmm. that led to his brother's assassination in some ways. So he kind of has that one really good example to go, damn, whoever wrote these or whatever, you know, 
because wasn't it the old radiance or whatever that lived by this code and or something more like that uh i don't know if, i don't know if right it's the so radiance. like throughout the story he he starts to like really take to heart the uh the guidelines that are written in a book called the way of kings essentially Ooh. the title of the book so like he he gets his hands on the way of kings and everyone's like oh well what, no don't worry about that those are like old and outdated you know those are not like things people follow anymore because they're just too outdated they don't don't really hear to modern society mm -hmm. and he's like no like look at this you know like look at what's going on in the world a lot of what's happening now is because we no longer follow these guidelines we need we need to go back we need to go back to the old ways <clears throat> and then he starts having the, he's also having those visions and people are just like this guy's going absolutely insane <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean go back to the old ways uh i think at some point in the book uh the the, the way of kings mentions that dark eyes are supposed to be higher than light eyes like complete opposite of what the society is following now we were like what are you what are you talking about Dallin? are you going you're going crazy man <laughs> what do you what do you think not to, and we don't have to get into specifics but what do you think Brandon Sanderson is implementing when he does have those codes and different things in this story? Because there's there's a lot there that feels like is relatable in a real world sense, you know, but also it's very intriguing when those kind of concepts are presented like this, you know. Like what? What is he meaning by you know? You always hear about that. Like uh, every generation kind of has that battle with the new generation. It's like in the old days we did it like this. We should be doing it like this. Is it kind of like that hint of that kind of story of like, you know, just because it's old doesn't mean that it's outdated and it's not. There's not some benefit right. of certain things or like, like just because something's old doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing, but. You know, maybe it's not all black and white. You know, there's, yeah. there's pros and cons to every situation. Every point of view is right and wrong in their own ways. It it also to me appears like with people like Sadius, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's whoever's on top. You know, as long as it's benefiting them, they 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 could care less uh, whether it was a way before. Or whatever like you know sadius represents a the 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 greed and the um the formal society that this army and in this you know group has taken that's so weird like i don't see them as that kind of you know dalinar is professional he's you know carries himself really well but he doesn't come uh come across as someone who's stuck up and thinks that they're better than them or anyone else right. you know he's always about his soldiers i think he was always i don't know it'd be interesting to see more about the black thorn and how he really was um but at least in this book we get him like really trying to implement the code and uh, from you know and all these teachings of how to you know don't make your soldiers or men do anything that you wouldn't do yourself like mm -hmm. you know it's, it's certain really cool leadership um fundamentals honestly that some leaders lose because in a lot of ways power corrupts and um you know, when he's trying to convince Sadius to work with him, it's like, dude, you can have the sharp plates or you can have, you can have whatever. I don't care about that. Like we should be that so would, beyond that them. Well, doesn't matter to me right now, <laughs> but that's what they've always been about. It's all about land, greed, 
power, status, and 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 it's like the old ways represent the opposite. Like you're saying, like there's so many things that conflict with what it really is. But you have a lot of good men and women, good people living in this new ways that kind of feel out of place. Like, yo, something is not right, but nobody's saying anything because it's become such the norm. And the old ways feel like they're, they keep getting shunned away. It's like, oh, just forget about that. We don't talk about that anymore. This is how we do things. And it's working, but it's only working for a, a few. And you hear Kaladin. Kaladin plays a big part in that where he, he when he's dealing with one of these, these high priests or one of these like higher ups, and he goes up to his dad and he's like, dude, I want to know how to talk like them. I want to be able to like, you know, use that ability for to get back at them. And when he's got the option to grab the shard armor and stuff and the sh- uh, the what was that moment? Wasn't he killed that one uh, shard bearer like right in the, the, the helmet? Yeah. And- so like Kaladin's his, his one of his big downfalls was. When he joined an army, he he eventually does take down a shard shard bearer. Yeah. But instead of claiming the shard plate and sword for himself, he's like, I don't need this. I don't need this material wealth. Like, I, I came here and I did my job as as a soldier, and that's that's good enough. Yeah. But then, you know, of course, the greed of uh, royalty, you know, it, it corrupts in order to claim the power for himself uh his his higher his higher up claims the the stuff for himself and then kills any witnesses and tries to claim the glory for himself bro when that started happening oh my god dude that yeah, moment it's like it's like oh my god Kaladin's backstory is more tragic than i thought <laughs> <laughs> because isn't this somebody that he's heard a lot of good things about and, and then he, like uh, i forget who 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 it was but yeah. it was like he was like one of the most noble guys. Like he is, he's he's the coolest dude. You know, like you know how like in my hero, uh, you have All Might. Like this is supposed to be like the All Might guy. Ooh, and then but it, imagine it, if All Might like betrays you and it's like <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take this for myself. Yeah. Go away. Oh, you're a slave now. It's like oh Jesus. Can't have any witnesses. You, who who are they gonna believe? Who are they gonna believe? You're gonna talk. You're gonna, uh, kill you're these gonna guys. believe <laughs> the royalty, the royal guy, or are you gonna believe the slave? Bro, that was <laughs> yes, and that's why. When we get to that finale, like, oh, and Dalinar having those visions is really cool, man. I mean, I really think that that was something that you feel for him as far as like he doesn't know if he's going crazy. And I think that that's always interesting in any kind of story where what you're seeing and what that character is experiencing isn't there's no concrete yes or no. Is it them like with Kaladin and, and, and Syl? Like, is he going crazy at the beginning? You just don't know. And because especially in a new world uh, it, it, such as this, like in this story, you don't know really exactly what the rules are. So things could be one thing, but they're really they're, they're another. So, but I love Dalinar's conflict, but he's such a honorable, wise leader and, and father and man, you know, like his brother's wife tries to get with them a couple times. Right. And he's like, Yo, <laughs> like, uh, no, nah, man, we can't. He's like, I like you, but, but this is wrong. This, this is, is kind of weird, you know, and he's always getting, it's, it feels like he's always getting tested. It's like, he's like the Harvey Dent, you know, like where it's just like, you know, we're going to, we're going to make this man 
you know, uh, we got to corrupt him. And Sadius and that betrayal, my dude, it was coming, dude. And Aladdin oh. even said something. They all kind of were like, bro, we should have not trusted. So to, to kind of give some context, you know, the whole thing, unite them. We have to unite them. And that's like Dalinar's thing. It's like throughout the large majority of the book, Dalinar is like, you know, what? we need to unite all the princes. Yeah. Uh, we need to like kind of come back under one banner, reunite, become stronger than ever. So he tries to team up with Sadius and, you know, take down the Prashani on the plains. Sadius is like, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I would just let you and your whole army die and just uh, claim all the glory for myself. <laughs> and he doesn't. So, he to... so that's what happens. He he leaves. He kind of lures Downer out into the plains to battle the Parshendi, and then and kind of stabs him in the back. He leaves him out there, the trapped without the bridges. Yeah, and he and he he's not really when I think. Dalinar confronts him later on, and he's just like, I mean, it's just he kind of admits to it. He's like, I mean, it's just this this is our culture you know you were losing it you you're you were doing you're acting like the way your brother did and mm -mm. like right if you were in my position you would have done the same thing yeah but it but then you yeah the black thorn maybe and that's where it's this like conflict of uh who i was and who i want to be and who i should be and um i think those those themes are within every character that we're presented you know, even with Shellen, like her going to steal the Soulcaster is who, you know, what she's doing at first. But once she gets there, she's like, mm, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. Why? You know, and it's like this transformation. Um, so I love how the characters don't have this one note. And that's just they're always on this straight path to whatever goal. Mm -hmm. And it's so obvious. Nothing really ever changes. But yeah, dude, Sadius. But dude, that's when I was ready. The moment that da I realized that Dalinar and all them and Kaladin were all in, in, in the same area, I was like, when are we going to get it, bro? When are these guys going to link God, up, man? What, what a good moment that was, too. Wow. When Kaladin when turns around, he's like, oh, shoot. Sadius just betrayed Dalinar. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, boys, we're turning this bad boy around. We're, we're going to go save him. Dude, and he... I, like, I, I literally just stood up. I was like freaking go bro That's he admits boy. it man he even says it like this is big this means that they could be at war like he's like dude is sadius men turning around holy shit and then you see i in my head i can see dalinar like on this like platform type plane thing just fighting for his life in the distance and just like getting outnumbered and then right. like he's out there being a badass too he's out there in full shard plate and blade he's like hacking down dozens and Oof. dozens of parshendi he is going down fighting, but he he's got no hope. There's just too many out there. Oh, dude! And, and then, then and then Bridge Four comes in. Bridge Four comes, and dude. And on the way, remember, Kaladin puts freaking Aladdin in his place. He's like, "Hey, bro, you need to if if your dad dies, and then let's say you go out there and you die, that's it. You need to go get your men. I'm gonna go get your dad. Okay, I'm a freaking bridge runner. All right." I thought that was so cool. Even Dalinar like later says like, and Aladdin kind of had some, you know, feelings about the way you talked to him, but, but the way that Kaladin didn't give a shit in that moment, he was like, I'm a leader. He's like, this is what you need to do. Get over there. I know that that's your father and there's that emotional attachment, but in these moments more than ever, you need to disconnect and do what's right. And this is the right move. 
Because if you go out there and you get trapped and die, what? What? Sadius is obviously a shit dude. Uh, so I, let me let me right. take my group and we're gonna go see what we can do. And bro, I was just so hyped. I'm like, okay, okay, let's get it. Um, that was that was the best bone of the book for me, bro. And <laughs> I I love Kaladin and Dalinar's uh, dialogue and their chemistry and just like you kind of see that they're in essence similar characters you know like they they kind of all they both stand for what's right and um just them you know down there's like why did you come back to did sadius send you and he's like nah man <laughs> like he he dipped out man i it was just so epic man and i and i really loved that finale of this book i mean and, and from from all sides of the story um and then we get the whole um dalinar basically I guess like getting Kaladin and his men to be his like personal guard in a lot of ways or something. Like he basically gets them from uh, under Sadius's rule. Yeah. So so essentially, uh, as reward for saving him, he he kind of promotes uh, a lot of the core members of uh, Bridgeport up to being the the royal bodyguard. Mm. Is that crazy though? Like started from the bottom. Now we are here. Like Kaladin went from a soldier to a slave, to a, a bridge runner is pretty much, in my opinion, worse than a slave because yeah, each day... You're, you're you're literally fodder. Like yeah, your whole job is to go out there and die. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And the fact that he went on numerous bridge runs and didn't, I mean, sheesh. Um, it, it, it just kind of puts you in a really good place at the end of the book where you're like, I mean, not everything's the way it's going to you know, we're not in a good place technically, but damn it, we've been okay, through like a lot. The world, yeah, the world is still in a pretty rough situation, but as far as the individual characters, they've gone through some tough times. Yeah. And they're they're starting to climb out of it. You know, they're they're starting to realize, you know, we we got some more work to do. But something bigger than this. Like and, yeah. and that was that was what I was hoping for because it felt very focused on just building the world and the characters, but I'm like, wait, where as a series is this just going to be them fighting on the shattered plains against the Parshindi? Like, or what, what is the big overall threat? And that's where that prelude and everything, everything else kind of starts to tie in. And Shalin and and Yasna and all the, you know, all these things start to like, oh, oh, by the very yeah. end, you feel like okay. it all comes together at the very end, yeah. the last couple of chapters. It's all of a sudden you're like. Oh, it's this is gonna be more than just you know the war against the Parshani. You know, there's this whole thing about the Voidbringer. There's this whole thing about the desolation. Mm -hmm. uh, the radiance. Apparently, apparently, this whole time uh, Dalinar had been like actually going and communing with the radiance and talking with the Almighty and that crazy. Now had like this destiny about having to like restore the order back to its former glory, or else the, the or else bad things will happen. It's just like. Like stuff's just happening. I'm, I'm on board. It's not. Just, it's not the kind of stuff where you're just like, wow, this is just like throwing out the wall and see what sticks. And I was like, oh, like oh, this has all been set up throughout the entire book. This all makes complete sense. This this is the next logical progression for all the characters. Sign me up. I'm on board. Yeah. So, I guess the last thing that we could talk about, man, is what are what are your hopes? And now I know you already started on the second book, but what are your hopes or, or your um, uh, even your theories of where this story will go and where do you hope that it goes uh, moving forward? Oof. Um, yeah. 
there's 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 a lot of places it could go. Then that's that's something I've been really enjoying about this book is it hasn't been predictable. Yes. Like, I'll sit there and I'm like, what's going to happen in the next like hundred pages? Or so <laughs> beats me. <laughs> like like I, I'm I'm totally along for the ride, and that's that's probably the most enjoyable way it could be. Yeah. Like I I guess I could have a couple of theories here and there. Like uh, it, it seems like Kaladin has has these powers that seem to stem from the radiance. And the spring, the spren seem to be connected to that somehow. So I'm like, okay, all right, well, hmm. you know, I want, I want to, I want to learn more about the spren. I want to see where, how this is, how it's all tied together. You know, how did Kaladin get his powers? How, why is Dalinar the one that's like in these visions? Why not anybody else? You know, what makes him special? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm I definitely am looking forward to seeing uh, more of these these mysteries come come together. Um, in the second book, have they focused on any other perspectives? Like is Aladdin or anybody else a, a, a main, I guess, main character? Or is it pretty much the same so setup? So in, granted, I'm like about halfway through the second okay. book. Okay, okay. Right? Um, you definitely get a lot more of Shalon. She's like the, like the main, main character. Ooh. So you get, to, you get a lot more of her point of view. Uh, you get a lot. Uh, you actually get point of view chapters from Sadius. So you get to see stuff from his point of view, which is interesting. Like I know we're just we're just talking about how oh god I hate that guy, Ugh. but not <laughs> deny that actually then like looking through his eyes, get stepping into his shoes, kind of kind of looking at things. It's kind of like okay, no, don't tell me I don't, that. I don't sympathize with them, but it is interesting to kind of see where he's coming from. Dang, he's gonna be a like, Vegeta, gonna... bro. He's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna be a Vegeta. Oh god, maybe I don't know. I don't, and and like, Dalinar's like, Goku is going to be like, yeah. if anybody's going to kill Dalinar, it's going to be me. <laughs> Just like, and, and, you know, obviously we get to see a lot more of uh, Dalinar and Kaladin's relationship now that they're like working together as the Ooh. bodyguard. <laughs> I want to read. I got to. Mm, and, and, and of course, we got the stinger at the end. We got the stinger at the end. That Seth, 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 whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah. His new target is Dalinar. He's got. He's gonna be coming up to Dalinar. Dude, yeah, it's like boom, bro. Like, that, that's that's a way to end a book right there. <laughs> Go. It's so crazy, man. I, I was so surprised, man. I mean, I was. It's one of those. It's one of those situations where you hear a lot of good things, you read a lot of good things, you, all that stuff. But that's why I always tell myself, and I and I try to encourage others to find out for yourself. You know, to hear a movie is really good or a video game is, you know, one of the best that someone's ever played or anything like that. It's great. And it should encourage you and give you that little that final push into action. But until you actually participate in whatever all the hype's about and when it actually lives up to that, man, it's such a satisfying feeling. And I feel like this is a really good example because we we mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, just all the good praise and all the hype about the way of Kings and the series as, as far as the stormlight archive and everything. And to kind of see how it's lived up to that so far has been so satisfying because dude, these are investments, man. I mean, they aren't like just light reads and, and you got to take time. Right. And, um, <laughs> but like the time it takes to get through this one book is like the amount of time it would take it to get through an entire TV show. Maybe <laughs> like, like it, it's a commitment, but man, it was one hell of a it's ride. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, well, dude, I think there's, I mean, I'm sure we, there's some little small 
minute details and different things, maybe even some characters that we didn't really touch on. But that wasn't really the goal of this episode. The goal was just to have a conversation and geek out about this book and just kind of, you know, talk about some of the characters and some of the world uh, and uh, the story and everything, you know, just it's been such a pleasure. And I was so happy that you were on board with jumping on this, man. Um, I know that I see now I'm conflicted. Part of me is like, dude, keep reading, <laughs> keep going forward in the series, which I think I will f- more like, than likely. I, I personally want to be ready for uh book four, four when it drops later this year i want to be uh right there when it drops oh dude i okay <laughs> no matter what we do i will i will try to make that oath that i will be ready for book four i i need to look it up i think it's going to be like fall winter ish like november i thought last time yeah, i checked i think i saw november but i'm not 100 sure which is you know we got time um see with the book club i wanted to take a genre each month obviously we're june 14th <laughs> and this was May's book. Um, but I mean, it's understandable with it being the size it is. I, yeah. and, and wanting to talk about it, it was just like I didn't want to skim through it. I wanted to absorb the information and really get invested. And I think that uh, hopefully that, that you know, shine through this episode because we were able to really geek out about it. But um, I wanted, I, I tossed out a couple, I wanted to do science fiction this month and then and wanted to do another book. Um, so I, I can tell you that at least that I'll read the I'll I'll read the rest of the series with you and, and we'll be ready for book four when it drops this year. Uh, if you do want to just talk about the next couple of books, I'm more than happy to do that with you off, you know, off recording or, or whatever. And if anybody wants to hear that conversation, let us know if you enjoyed this episode or if you listened to some of this and you picked up The Way of Kings, uh, you know. Uh, please let us know because I, yeah, I feel we, like we'd, more, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We would love uh, more people to pick up this series and get into it. Uh, and like we mentioned, there's a couple books out right now, book four coming out this uh, year. Um, but I was going to do uh Dune uh, for the science fiction book for this month. And didn't know if you had heard much about that. I know they're making a movie about it. Um, and I've, I've heard fairly positive things i don't think it's that's big as this as this thing right here but um it's 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 a little on the big side but it's not that big it's not that big all right so um doing is something that is one of those like all-time classics people are like oh yeah if you want to talk about the definitive sci-fi novels you know you got like you got you got you got dune you got foundation you got stuff yeah. like that but like, yeah. dune, dune is one of the those those uh, books that people are always talking about so and I, uh like you said, there's a movie adaptation coming out later this year mm-hmm. uh, that I'm I'm particularly excited about. So, I'm I've been thinking about picking up the book and reading it before the movie comes out. Yeah, man. So I I, I kind of want to commit to that, but I, I I'm gonna let this breathe and uh, I'm gonna check it out. And I want to actually, dude. I'm I'm actually I'm in a weird twisted spot because I really want to get into book two like as ASAP. So I'm like I don't know I'm gonna do you know multiple <laughs> books at once i don't think that's ever the Ooh, way that, to go if i could you know, decisions, decisions. so we'll get back to you guys on that so whenever you listen to this hopefully we made a decision or something but regardless loon cow i would love for you to be a part of whatever book club episode we do anytime you you feel like being on the podcast i say this every time and i enjoy it 
I think this was really fun, man. I, I know that you have, have finished this book a couple weeks ago. Uh, and uh, thank you for your patience for waiting for me to finish it and uh, and sitting no down and, and talking about it, dude. This is... I, I always have a great time sitting down to nerd out yes. on stuff, especially on this show. It's always Yo, thank you, man. And, and so we can always say we were the day ones when this comes out on Amazon or Netflix or in the theaters. Be like, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, I'm, I was like, a lot of people talk about Brandon Sanderson as being like the modern J.R.R. Tolkien. And after reading this first book, I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is going to go down as one of the old time greats. Dude, and it I can... It's going to take a while, but I think once more and more people get on board, they're going to be like, oh my God, this is, yeah, this is, this is it. one and of those pivotal series. And like, eventually when it gets its uh, movie or TV show adaptation, it's going to be like the Netflix, not the Netflix, it's going to be like the Game of Thrones or the Lord of the Rings. Of, can like, you Netflix. imagine some of these moments like in live action, like the grittiness of a bridge run or just the, the, the... God, I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, opening assassination. <laughs> Bro, that's gonna dude, be amazing. that would hook anybody. If that's in episode one, dude, c- come on, man. Just People, make that the trailer. <laughs> it's got to be on HBO Max. <laughs> oh, goodness. Gosh. Um, well, that's uh, that's going to be it for this episode. But, be- but before we do uh, end, uh, Loon Kao, if you would like to one last time, tell people where they can find your content and what you're doing and what you got planned for the rest of the month. Or I know you just put together, you upgraded your PC. So you got some big things yeah, planned, huh? It's, so it's upgraded my computer, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, getting back to some video recording, some streaming. Yes. Uh, I do make a lot of Pokemon content over on my YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com forward slash Kyle. With the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC coming out this week, I'm going to be awfully oh, busy. Wow. That, that comes, comes up on Wednesday, 17th. I think. So. Wow. A yeah, couple, day, couple days, so... <laughs> Once that hits, I'll probably be like live streaming and make making videos almost daily. So I'm I'm looking forward to being busy here. Yo, man, it's always a pleasure, man. Uh, please, guys, go check them out on YouTube. Uh, and and if you enjoyed this episode for whatever reason you got into this, whether you're just looking for something uh, on the way of kings, or if you're you've been listening to Wonder Soul, um, regardless, go back and check out the previous episodes that Luke and Kyle's been on, because uh, each one is a banger. And uh, definitely go check out his video content on YouTube, his uh, his playthroughs, his live streams, because you, you have a really nice balance of both of them, dude. And they're all equally entertaining and great, man. So thank you again, Loon Kyle. Thank you guys for being a part of the stream. Uh, if you were in here, I see Kia's in here. I see OKSJ Hermes dropped in uh, and dropped. Uh, dang. Uh, subscribe. Bam, bam. Uh, to the, the Twitch channel. Dude, we've been having so much fun just streaming in general. Um I see Luke, well, Luke Kyle was in the chat, but he was also here. It's meta. It's all over. <laughs> Breaking the barriers. Uh, let's see. Acoustic. <laughs> uh, Rabambi teacher. Everybody. Hot cooking oil. Everybody. Thank you guys for being a part of the chat and being a part of the show. Uh, we've been going live uh, pretty consistently here on the Twitch channel. So feel free to jump in, chat. If you're catching this episode later down the road, hey, jump in the chat. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. Uh, let's talk the way of kings. If you see Loon Kyle live, hey, jump in there, geek out with him. This guy is very interactive with his chat and just anybody that comes through. And uh, yeah, dude, it's been a pleasure, everybody. Thank you. And until the next episode, we will- thank you for listening to Wonder Soul. Connect with the podcast through social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Search Wonder Soul. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, and review. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch. We appreciate your support. Wondersoul hopes you have yourself a good day.